Albuquerque's macro aggression, Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. Wednesday afternoon, I'm Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk on AM1600, KIBABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com, 550-5500 on this Woke Wednesday. We'll do some woke politics. Woke is Coke. I told Dad I would wear my uh, Coca-Cola. I, I'm, I'm making salivate. There's the Pavlovian response that's coming in with that. And he no longer likes the Coke. Now it's just Wawa. Water. H little. Oh, that's some good H2O. On a Waterboy Wednesday for uh, D-Dud Muska, as uh, always. So we got uh, Roku TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV. If you like to TV us, and the TV stuff is uh, is pretty cool. So I got to say, I am very excited about all of our TV activity. We are over what we did last month. And you guys are just consuming that. And it's like the more stuff I do, the more stuff I throw on TV. And if I even when I run reruns, you guys are like tuning in. I think most of the broadcasts... Uh, our bandwidth are coming in from four to seven. So from what I can estimate, there's somewhere between about 85 to 100 people who are tuned into the TV stuff. So just uh, very quickly for the technology angle of the show, uh, if you will, here on the TV, Roku TV, you have one of these little Roku devices. You can see it right there. Okay. See, it says TCL Roku TV. It's um, very nifty. Nifty, nifty. That's I always like that nifty little device. You just aim it, and then channels come up, and it's connected to the internet. By the way, Comcast sucks, but they'll be here tomorrow at eight a.m. to make sure I don't cancel them. So they're they're going to deliver me one hundred percent uptime, apparently. But uh, you can't, you you won't be able to do that. But we'll 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 listen to their story and see what they have to say. Um, you can go to Amazon TV. There's a clicker clicker for the Amazon TV, which is like $10. So you could easily just plug that in $10. You don't need a whole lot of bandwidth and boom, you know, Bob's your uncle, you're set to go. Okay. So that's, that's exciting. And then Apple TV, which you can get on your phone. Then you have the little Apple box and then, you know, like, you know, you don't have an Apple farm like Dowd, but you have apples uh, on your computer. You can watch it from any uh, Apple device. Um, Apple TV is everywhere on every device. Uh, I can't wait until Amazon, was it Fire TV is on the actual Amazon Alexa device, the visual Alexa. I'd like to see that. So that way my, my parents can go to their super duper, you know, Alexa device. And it's just like, boom, right there. That'll be very cool. Um, by the way, hour three is going to be fun. Uh, it is going to be completely dedicated to a woman who was beating down my door. Uh, I was about to call the cops and uh, she, she demanded to get in here. She's like, well, Etha got on and, and I said, oh, there we go. Ethel got on. And uh, yeah, there we go. So Rebecca Dow is, uh, and I and I hit her. Dow is going to be so, it is a pre-recorded because she, but she wanted to be on. Um, and so we, we do have that. She came in and then she's, uh, she's agreed to a debate uh, as has, I believe, Greg Zanetti. We're just waiting for the uh, great Mark Ronchetti. So we're hoping to have that. Um, and then uh, once they all agree, it's either all or none. Okay. Threshold being, if you don't have $100,000 to spend, you don't have a campaign to win. So, Ethel Marge, you won't have that, so you'll be left out. And Jay Block remains to be seen um, on that. He's going to have to raise some money to get on the debate stage, uh, the debate stage being 
rockoftalk.tv. Rock of Talk, and then we'll play that um, a week before uh, going all the way up so you can hear it two or three times. And each of the candidates will receive the 10 topics, not necessarily the questions. And uh, we want to make sure that our men going into battle are prepared uh, for the next go around. So there it is. Just kind of getting some items uh, off my desk, so to speak. Uh, podcasting, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. I am now at Twitter. Okay. Uh, I found, I, uh, I, I encourage you all to do it. Thanks to those of you who are following me. Uh, some of you who follow me, um, I don't like you and I will not follow you back. So just FYI. Um, <clears throat> great thing about uh, Twitter is uh, you can just, you know, follow who you like and don't like. If, you, if, if, you're, if your, you know, ego is bruised by me not following you, that's fine. But there are literally some people who I just won't. If I don't know you, I may not do it either. So just uh, FYI. Uh, David uh, Olson, I will follow him because he's about to say something, you know, kind of crazy and uncanny. But I'm at therockoftalk.com, at therockoftalk. Thank you, Dowd, so much for being so incredibly generous and uh, adding me to your beautiful rockoftalk.chat. And uh, and then uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, what is it when you tag somebody? I think you tagged me. And then you put in uh, our uh, wonderful um, uh, a debate from last Friday. So D-Dot Musk, hour one, a little fun here in hour one. We'll get to the forest fires. No fun for that. And a lot of other topics, including your uh, big launch uh, for today. How are you, sir? Uh, I am well. And in, in the uh, keeping in the subject of the uh, gubernatorial smackdown, Eddie, I have, I'm very happy to report. And, and you know that I've been a little frustrated by this. And, and it's not like any candidate was all that res quickly responsive to us. Uh, we will have at least one set of answers for our CD1 uh, 10 question, 10, 10 question questionnaire. Uh, I've heard from Mr. Uh, Sanchez. Uh, yes. it's, you know, it's tough for me to be impartial because I'm, I'm a big Louis fan, but I think if you, uh, if you refer to what we did last week, we ran all the answers as is, regardless of what, what we thought about those candidates. My offer still stands. I've contacted the Michelle Garcia Holmes uh, campaign five different times with the questions. Uh, Louis says he'll have it that his in by the deadline. I have yet to hear back. I've sent three emails and two form, uh, you know, contact form via the website messages to the Michelle Garcia Holmes campaign. And uh, listen, we, We'll do what we did last week. We'll run the answers exactly as we received them. And uh, I have a feeling Mr. Aragon would be willing to do his scoring system again. And uh, I will not. not. I will. Nope. I did not include her. I will not include Rebecca in the scoring system. To no, be no, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about CD1. CD1. Uh, okay. on, on Friday, uh, my intent, and, and again, these are 10 different questions because governor is not House, U.S. House of Representatives member, uh, and we will at least have Mr. Sanchez's answers, according to Mr. Sanchez, uh, and we would love to get the answers from Michelle Garcia-Holmes. Uh, the, the deadline is the same for both of them, midnight tomorrow night, and we will run your answers exactly as we receive them. We will not do any targeting. We're not trying to you know, hurt someone or help someone, despite the fact that I, I'm a Louis fan. I'm doing my best to be impartial in this process. The good news is we've heard back from the Sanchez campaign, and they tell us the answers are coming our way i'm a zanetti fan and he came in third i gave exactly, the, exactly. i gave the win to ron ketty uh, yep. i cannot tell you the number of compliments i received uh on the friday coverage of all that and uh actually uh, there was several people who weren't aware of it who are now aware of it going forward so that that's kind of cool so we're gonna get that information now look we're running an election folks i mean that means that people choose we don't get to choose i don't honestly it 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 doesn't matter to me as long as it's the people choosing. I think that's the uh, 
best part about this is that it's ultimately your choice in, in all of this. So uh, there you go, rockoftalk.tv. Download that from the uh, App Store. And then uh, you have rockoftalk.com as well. All right, Dowd, lots to get to today. We are dense full of information on the Daily Blast. Uh, I feel like, I don't know, it feels like a new day for some reason. I don't know, I feel so feel so good. Your reading time would have been 7 minutes, 45 seconds. It's been a fiery, windy day. I've got gusts here at the station, and you can find the link to our radio uh, uh, excuse me, weather vane. Yeah. Where you can go and, uh, and you'll see the weather just as it is right here at the Kiva where you can uh, find it. Then I think that's going to be the only way you can uh, uh, find us. We're going to have, uh, Eric, who's going to start doing his stuff out on the road. He'll be handing out stickers and pens and stuff. And then when I'm out, he'll be, you know, behind the board, uh, uh et cetera. So, uh, that's going to be uh, very cool. This day in uh, music history, we'll have a little Simon and Garfunkel and U2 and REM for the uh, playlist. And uh, uh, D-Dowd Muska, let's uh, kick it off, if you don't mind, uh, with your... Uh, and I, I believe this deserves priority because, A, you were the one who was doing all this. B, suddenly everybody on Twitter thinks, thinks it's it's the real Grandy Foundation who's coming up with the... You know, we've been talking about no taxes for how long? Well, I put it out there. You put it out there. We said, remove the taxes. I talked about no... Uh, taxes uh, during the CD1 race, I believe, in terms of removing that altogether. And this is what we needed to do. And now the Rio Grande Foundation is running with it. And uh, they don't run with much, and nor do they have very much success. And I don't know exactly what they're doing, but, um, you know, uh, Paul can't help. And I don't want to turn this into a you know, he said, she said, or us versus them. But they, they really do kind of have to start sourcing their own material. Dowd uh, has been on this, and uh, I appreciate the hard work that he is focused on, uh, making sure that, hey, it's one of the questions that we have for the gubernatorial race. Would you get rid of the income tax? And it's one of the things that would set New Mexico apart. After all, we received $27 billion. Dowd, take it away. Yeah, folks, uh, up uh, uh, on the site, rockoftalk.chat for subscribers. I know we've got a bunch of new uh, people following us on Twitter, Eddie's new uh, personal account. I relaunched a personal account. And of course, we've had our uh, Rock of Talk underscore chat Twitter account since last late last uh, summer. So uh, to the extent that we're talking to new people, uh, well, welcome aboard and please become a subscriber. Uh, Eddie, you and I have been talking a lot about getting rid of the income tax. I think that maybe we focused a little too much on on Mississippi and the uh, gutless way that the Republicans in the Senate in Mississippi cowered it out at the last minute. Uh, and Mississippi, it did not end up becoming the 10th state with no income tax, although they did pass a sweeping, significant tax relief package. I think uh, we've overlooked the fact that even though not every state is looking to eliminate its income tax, Boy, a heck of a lot of states, almost from coast to coast, I mean, really a couple dozen, have been passing substantial tax relief. Now, a big reason for that, of course, is that uh, the federal government just spread around uh, hundreds of billions of dollars and kicked it to the states. Uh, we, The latest number from the Legislative Finance uh, Committee is 26 0.1 billion has come our way. 26.1 billion. And to put that in, in, a, in a comparison, the paltry, tiny little gross receipts tax cut that the governor presided over during their most recent uh, legislative session, that represents the revenue in the first year, the revenue lost, yeah, air quotes, lost to the state when compared to the $26.1 billion that flowed in during the two years of the RONA. She is giving us a one-year tax break of 0.36%. Uh, in the first fiscal, full fiscal year of that gross receipts tax break when compared to all that money that came in from the federal government. Again, 
not 36 percent. Uh, she didn't use 36 percent of that money for tax relief. She didn't use uh, 3.6 percent of that tax revenue for tax relief for New Mexicans. She's giving us a 0.3 percent tax break in the first year when you compared to that 26.1 billion. Other states have been far, 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 far more ambitious, and they really deserve a lot of praise. We we've talked about Mississippi just missing, just coming in under uh, the the ability, just the reach exceeded the grasp. They weren't able to repeal, repeal their income tax, but they did have, uh, they shortened, flattened all their rates into one rate as of next year in a massive cut, tax cut passage. Uh, Iowa is phasing in a flat income tax rate at 3.9%. Uh, Arizona is kind of interesting. We'll talk about Arizona and Oklahoma in a minute because they're, they're border states and they may be doing some very interesting things tax-wise as well. But the big news the last 14, 15 days has been Kentucky and Georgia over there on the east. Uh, I guess Kentucky wasn't technically a Confederate state, but certainly Georgia was. Uh, Kentucky's interesting place. Rand Paul's from Kentucky, Tom Massey, both Republicans, but philosophically libertarian. Kentucky, and a weird governor, by the way. Oh, yeah. Well, they, they just enacted their budget over his veto because, yeah, a, you know, a, a Democratic governor guy. can't sign a tax cut, that's for sure, uh, unless you're MLG and it's 0.36%. So in, in the bluegrass state in Kentucky, they actually are on a an intricate glide path for eliminating their income tax. Now, I think there's too many obstacles in the way just because you put it into law and you have various revenue triggers and you need legislative approval for each year that you keep reducing the rate. It's asking an awful lot. If everything goes perfectly, Kentucky will, uh, in a number of years from now, be an income tax-free state. But boy, there's so many hurdles along the way. Just because that's the plan and statute doesn't mean it's going to happen. What is going to happen is they are collapsing their rates. They're going down to uh, going from five percent down to four percent, and there's some revenue triggers in there. The Wall Street Journal had a really good assessment of this. What Kentucky did is the latest example of a state, many states are doing this, making responsible use of a budget windfall, committing to leave money in the private economy. Reducing the income tax for all Kentuckians will go far in a state that, uh, listen to this, sounds familiar, ranks 44th in median household earnings and which has lagged behind neighbors in recent job growth. Sound like maybe a state you might be living in? Uh, the first tax cut, uh, first fiscal year, is going to be, they're going to be providing $550 million injected into the Kentucky private economy. Good, good, good stuff. Now, in Georgia, to the south, the governor down there, the uh, Republican governor, they are lowering their top income tax rate down to the equivalent of next door neighbor North Carolina so that they'll be uh, competitive with that. And then they may even be continuing to drop their rates. State after state after state is doing this. They're either cutting their income tax rates, they're flattening their uh, income tax rates to a, to a single level. Now, why does this make any sense? Uh, the Tax Foundation did great, great research on this. We've had income taxes at the state level for over 100 years. Only In 100 years, only four states have ever transitioned from a graduated rate income tax, meaning if you make more, you'll pay a higher tax rate, down to a flat tax. So only four states have done it in 100 years. This year, we may have another four do it. So we will accomplish in one year what it's taken 100 years to accomplish. That's how uh, pronounced and uh, interested in offering tax relief so many states are. Uh, and again, we talked about Iowa. Uh, we talked about Mississippi. 
the two examples I use are Kentucky and Georgia. Uh, Arizona might be transitioning down to a flat tax in a voter initiative yep. Yep. Uh, this November. Yep. Oklahoma, the House of Representatives in, the, in Oklahoma Great earlier state. this year, they voted to phase out their income tax. We are uh, experiencing, I dare say, an orgy of state income tax cutting. The lefties are freaking out. I have a link uh, in this article to uh, a left-wing tax policy uh, shop that uh, they're, they're, they're just totally panicked. All right, so what does that mean for New Mexico? Our top rate, okay, if, you, if you're single, I guess I always think in single terms because I'm single, if you make $210,000 or more, you're going to be taxed at the highest rate of 5.9%. That, of course, is higher than all of our neighbors. And of course, it's higher than our neighbor, Texas, which does not have a state income tax at all. Believe it or not, Bill Richardson was moving us toward a single rate. Uh, he, he reduced those top rates. He got us down to 4.9. One of the first things Michelle Lujan Grisham did with yep. Republican support, yep. with yep. Republican support in the Senate, was pass a big, big tax hike passage. So we're back up to 5.9%. They wanted to raise it last year to either 6.5% the top rate or Bill Tallman, one of the biggest doofuses in the Senate, not a Republican, a Democrat, he wanted an 8.2% top income tax rate. So that signals to investors and entrepreneurs and retirees and people who might want to leave the Northeast or California to get a, get away from those deep blue places that New Mexico is not the kind of place you want to come because it's just like home. Uh, very, 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 very bad, bad message. The good news is the country is a lot of good is being accomplished in tax policy. It just isn't being accomplished in New Mexico. In fact, we have been going in the opposite direction. That $26 billion that's come our way, again, 0.36% of that, 0.36% uh, was given back to you in the form of tax cuts with the GRT at a time when other states are taking really really bold initiatives to promote real economic development, no cronyism, no corporate welfare. They're just lowering the tax rates. So uh, those, Eddie, those are the two big triumphs lately in tax policy, Georgia and Kentucky, but they're far from alone. Meanwhile, New Mexico keeps doing what it, what it always does and expecting a different result. And the timing of all this, the report that came out from the Rio Grande Foundation, no need to go there, folks. Uh, Dowd was running everything over there. It was well, uh, Paul was what, uh, Holidays in the Sun and uh, Bar Mondays, I guess. Uh, well, and, you know, that's me talking. That's not Dowd. Uh, and, uh, you know, Dowd's been doing this for some time. So if you really want the in-depth, the links, you know, the brevity uh, without the uh, long articles, or like, like you need a hyperlink and you have to have Tavel support and really serves very nicely. So it's nice, tight, concise, and you can share it with a friend and uh, get it directly at rockoftalk.chat. That's rockoftalk.chat. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Back after a quick break right here in the Kiva. Thanks for the opener as well and jumping with us uh, on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. In fact, got a pretty cool little text from a uh, texter. says, Eddie, when is Roku going to get an Eddie button on the remote? <laughs> I'm one of the 100 at least right now. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate you very much. And thanks for supporting this locally owned radio station, Serving the Albuquerque community. I don't know how much more I can get uh, more local than that. Uh, back here in a few, I'll tell you about my scooter ride uh, at the end of hour number two as well. It was a good one today. Hey, 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 hey.
like to know a little bit about your four or fives. We'd like to help you learn to help yourself. Look around you all, you see our sympathetic eyes. Stroll around the grounds until you feel at home and here. A little bit of U2 there. Uh, front cover, I believe, of Time magazine uh, on this date uh, back in the day. What, what are we talking about, Dad? When was uh, U2 on the cover of Time magazine on the cover? Uh, uh, that was uh, way, way back in 1987 when a young D. Dowd Muska probably had some uh, facial breakouts that we don't need to talk oh, about at, wow. age, at age 49. <laughs> you push them together and pop them and all that kind I, of I stuff. think a lot of us can relate to that experience. There's uh, actual like websites dedicated, interestingly enough, uh, or viral videos. There was like it, people like popping pimples. I'm like, why? Why is anyone watching this kind of stuff? And like uh, TikToking, everyone's TikToking, TikToking on all this type of thing. Um, 1968, 54 years ago. That's exactly on this date when Mrs. Robinson was uh, 54 years, folks. Where does where does time go? Uh, you two dancing around, uh, Bono and the boys uh, hanging out. I wonder what. How old is Bono? Is Bono uh, what? Got to be early 60s. I'd, I'd call. Let's see if I'm estimating. I'd say he's 61. I'd, I'd see where I'm at on the uh, age. Boom, 61. 61. There it is. I don't know. And 62 next month. <laughs> 62 next month. Oh, look at that. He's a little, he's a May baby. Mayday, Mayday, May baby. All right. So Twitter, I'm back on at the rock of talk. Um, I'm shooting off my first amendment rights. Uh, by the way, when you, when you try to trace me, Mari Trujillo Spinelli or anybody else, like I can see when you're sitting there creeping my profile. Okay. So just so you guys know, become very aware. And that's one of the great things. It's the only good thing I think about social media other than, Relating to people that uh, you can actually agree with. Um, so one of the things I got upset with yesterday and looking at Twitter, and I think we're going to do this Twitter exercise for the next, I don't know, couple of days. Everyone is talking about the number of followers they regained. Every conservative talk show host is that's out there. Down, uh, uh, I don't know if you saw that. It's like, yes. oh, yes, many. What this massive group think, you know, conservatives are supposed to think for themselves. And it's like, nope, we're totally incapable of that, uh, too, other than uh, just a few people. These are all fake conservatives because they didn't give up Twitter after our president, your president got deplatformed. Okay. And I'm like, F those fakers. We created our own platform. That's what we did during that time. And we came back because somebody else reestablished it. Like, if you're not willing to walk away from something, maybe you're a little bit too tied and, uh, what do you call it, codependent uh, on these things. And I think we got we to gotta break the cycle of codependency on things. Be willing to walk away at any time for any reason, uh, uh, for whatever we happen to be feeling. Um, I think our reasons were good. When massive numbers of people were getting deplatformed, your friends, your relatives, when people were getting shot, like you got to stick behind them. You got to stay behind them, support them. What's the best way to do it? It's like saying, you know what? I'm in it with you, man. Like, oh, no, I'll, I'll keep an eye on it for you. I'm going into the meeting. 
well, I'm not ready to, I'll, but I'll keep you up today. And you always have that person who's straddling the line. They're like in between. They keep going to the meetings, but they're not really part of it. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, they asked me, I got, I got roped into it. There's nothing I could say. I couldn't say no. I don't know. They all talk started. Well, let me just see. And then I'll fill you. I'm like, no, that's not the way the world works. It's cut and dry, black and white. That is it. You've got to be willing to commit and follow through because there's such an, and, and, and not because you have to be principled or show off your conservative peacock feathers or your liberal peacock feathers for whatever you're committed to. Okay. That is something that the liberals do better than us. Not mistake. They have a tremendous amount of follow through. Look at Michelle Lujan Grisham. They're like, she literally squawks rah, and then everybody falls in line. They heard the signal. It's like Morse code. Shh. Like they're hitting everything. It's like, whoa, I heard her speak. I heard something come out. It's like, yes, I'm going to pay attention to the true North signal. Right. And they all sort of follow a fall in lane. The reason why you want to do this, why it's so important is because when you make actual decisions, when you commit to something and then you follow through one, you can actually say it's a commitment Two, and I think this is like probably the best part, the takeaway, the nugget, the knowledge, what you learn from that because you committed is a great teaching moment one way or the other. And you can't make, this is one of the reasons why I learned so much. Okay. Cause when I do something, I'm like, no, that's my decision. I did it on my own. Here's what I'm doing. And I just follow all the way through. I think Dowd's the same way. And we follow, I think I'm way more than that than, than Dowd. Dowd's, you know, he's like, is the water warm? When's the last time the water got filled into it? I don't know. Tell me how it is, but I'm going to go with what you say. Cause what you're saying, like, you know, he's checking things out. I'm like, okay, I'm going to just jump in. Like if you were next to me at a pool, I never check the temperature. I just jump right in. I don't care how hot or <laughs> like cold a golden retriever. <laughs> well, you know that your body will adjust immediately and you'll learn yep. something. It's like, Oh, I committed. I learned that this pool was cold. Not that I dipped it and my toe felt that it was cold or I put my hand in it and I felt like it was cold. No, that I actually learned that it is damn cold. Okay. And it's important when you have these commitments that you make in whatever endeavor, and this is like in every single thing in your life, your takeaway is the most important thing because then you can third point build upon what you have learned. You can't build unless you've actually learned something. And I think maybe this is part of the problem when you, <coughs> excuse me, lose so much as the Republican party has done. And you've got guys who are like straddling the fence and they're like, well, I, I might go, <coughs> excuse me. I might go this direction, but then again, I might go this direction. Let me see which way the wind blows. Like, uh, it's blowing this way. Let me get over here. Let's just like, uh, you learn nothing. All we learn is that you're, um, mealy mouth Republican. You're a rhino. You'll, yeah, I just want to be with something, anything that wins. Okay. To know what wins. <coughs> I don't know. Is that the forest fires blowing through the studio? I'm not really sure. And this woke Wednesday, um, you will learn something and then you'll take away and whatever endeavor that you're, you're involved in. So I just want to kind of impart all of that uh, over to you. So let me kind of quickly go through my tweets here as we uh, gather uh, another uh, follower at the rock of talk. I've never coughed this much. This is interesting. I'm going to go get my OSHA in the other room. Uh, my snake oil, uh, very interesting snake oil, the uh, Reagan oil with the uh, OSHA. Um, my first tweets were 
were exactly these. And I give people, you know, something to, to look at and be interesting, commit to something. I did find uh, Larry, the Larry Barons, by the way. Oh. Um, yeah, it was, it was he, you know what, Dowd, when you and him did a show with each other, I, I was, I could have listened to that show maybe forever. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just, it's just so much knowledge, so much information. <coughs> I never get tickles in my throat. So that's amazing. Like ever. Wondering, what is that? Wonder, what, wonder what God's trying to tell me. You're going to have to take it from here because I'm literally going to have, I'm a little parched here. So uh, I don't use that word e either, but uh, I'll get to my tweets in, in, in a second. Uh, do you remember Larry? You remember, uh, tell the audience who Larry Barron is again. Uh, well, Larry was a, uh, originally, I believe, a, a TV journalist who ended up working for uh, Governor uh, Martinez, Susana Martinez, and then he went to work for a national energy organization that, unlike, unlike, most trade associations, and I'm thinking of uh, NAMOGA, New Mexico Oil and Gas Association. I'm thinking of was the American Petroleum Institute API. Uh, they are just constantly backpedaling, running away, uh, buying into you know just caving to the climate lunatics. Uh, Power of the Future, and I, I'll check right now to see uh, about their website. Power of the Future was an unapologetic defender uh, of American energy. And Larry, I think, was the uh, New Mexico uh, representative of Power of the Future, which I think they're in D.C. They also had an Alaska office. Uh, I'm looking at their website right now. We are the voice of energy workers. Yeah, big big difference between the energy workers and the uh, people on the boards of big energy companies because you know they want to be invited to the right uh, to the right. Uh, cocktail parties and you know their wives don't want to have people look askance at them they want to get get in all the global warming uh, agenda uh, great stuff i mean right on their website you can look at it powerthefuture.com right now uh, on the blog biden administration plays grim reaper for the natural gas industry uh, geez i haven't read that one yet but i'm going to uh, deb holland's parting gift to alaska locking up the state's uh, national petroleum reserve of course that announcement came out yesterday i think i probably put that in the daily blast if i can check let us see did we put that in the daily blast or did we not oh we just missed it we just we, i ran out of uh, i ran out of room uh corporations push for energy tax that will be passed on to consumers let's take a little look at that let's see last week two organizations that represent major corporations in washington publicly called for the establishment of a carbon tax uh, the American Petroleum Institute privately drafted a proposal that would include a tax. What did I, did I, didn't I just say the American Petroleum Institute? Didn't I just said that? I'd say that. And also the Business Roundtable, the voice of uh, America, big business. So uh, I'm a fan of Power of the Future. Uh, I've been a fan of them for some time. Eddie, they are unapologetic. They don't knuckle under like all the various trade associations. They're gutsy and we're gutsy here. I think we have a lot in common. We do, and uh, yeah, there it is. I got the OSHA, I got the Reagan oil, and uh, yeah, there we got that. We got the other oil. That's we need more oil, and uh, I think that's one of the things we can say about Twitter is this could be you know sort of a capitalistic move in trying to get all the Republicans to buy these Teslas uh, as well. They are the trendsetter, uh, I think, when it comes to oil and gas. Daniel, I can't think of the guy's last name. He's been here in the studio. I've done the interview with him. Larry, extremely witty, very intelligent. And was, uh, I think, pointing the way uh, for some time. So I followed him. I was Daniel so Turner happy. is the founder. Daniel yeah. Turner. A very nice guy. Uh, except the only caveat I had with him was the, um, what do you call it? The connection to the Bush administration. So no one's perfect. <laughs> yeah, no one, no, one, no one is. Yeah, no, Definitely not me. Everybody, everybody knows that. So uh, here's my uh, first few tweets. And I'm going to give you some some freebies of people if you if you like what i write or if you like what i think 
uh, or what I like, what I say, Ann Coulter is one of the first people that I followed and I'm following exactly 45 people, uh, for a reason. Okay. Uh, Ann Coulter, I definitely want you to uh, follow her. She's great. She had a, a, a great, uh, tweet that I immediately, like, I love her. MSNBC keeps calling Trump the leader of the Republican party. I just, just to insult us, our leader is Ron DeSantis. I'm like, yes, bingo. <clears throat> As a Republican, I feel that way. Um, let's see. I posted uh, our our sound from the Rock of Talk Chat. Great photo, Dow. That's a great find with Doctor Oz and the uh, the gay couple Elvis Duran. And that uh, and I sent you another uh, Doctor Oz photo. You're yes. welcome to se send that. Just so you know, this is truly authentic. The top hat picture. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What did you think about that? A little sinister look. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that one came up in my search, Eddie, but the reason I used the one that I did was because I wanted him to, to verify uh, what you were saying, that they have the two husbands here. I wanted the picture of him, big, big grin on his face at this wedding, and, you know, Mr. Mr. Right Wing, maybe not so much when it came to uh, a Santa Fe wedding he attended in September 2019. Is it is it now okay for the Republican Party to get behind gay marriage? Where is the Republican mar uh, Party on gay marriage? Maybe the Republican Party doesn't care about marriage at all. Maybe they don't care about families. Do they think that families can be created with <clears throat> gay couples? We talked and we addressed this stuff last week. I have no idea what's going on in my throat. <clears> throat> this is the first time it's ever happened. <clears throat> so maybe uh, someone's trying to uh, silence me. Um, maybe God. Uh, so <clears throat> I think the fact that he's a Republican candidate uh, for this, and you'd have to question his Republican credentials, his, credentials, his competition is right to go ahead and do that. So in that so you'll see that photo uh with the complete rock of talk uh, show from uh, yesterday uh the michelle luhan grisham photo um and i started titling the episodes uh with uh the t-shirt that i'm wearing a woke wednesday uh <clears throat> hope you like that down i, I, I really did, do I did, I, did. I did tell uh elon musk to f off i just wanted to see if uh he'll ban me because you know nothing's worse than someone telling you know uh f you know what and uh, you know anyway I, I don't think he'll ban me. He, he'll never meet me. I'll never meet him unless I fly up on one of his shuttles. And I said, I will use his Twitter, but he better not try to sell kids uh, electric cars. I am still deciding whether I'm going to space on Elon or Jeff Bezos. I'm going to keep it local. How low do you think the cost for space doubt is going to get? If you had to guess and the market and everything else that that's out there, how, how cheap do you think it is going to be in today's dollars? Because you couldn't account for the inflation and all the rest of the things. But if you were to go to the lowest cost five years from now, how much, what would be economically efficient to get us into space? Well, we're, we're, we're basically comparing two very radically different types of technology. Elon is launching a, I keep calling Elon Eddie and Eddie Elon, um, Mr. Musk uh, one not not a member of my family, unfortunately. Uh, he is developing a thing called a Starship, where you could literally put dozens, if not hundreds, of people on one of those launchers, and you will actually go to orbit. Versus these kind of little boutique vehicles that Branson and Bezos have. Uh, a lot of people think that Elon will be able to achieve economies of scale and charge substantially less than Branson and Bezos. Not only will you pay much less than what you would pay on their, their vehicles, you'll actually go to orbit rather than just two or three minutes floating around where you re-enter. Uh, so if he can get Starship working, he may just lay waste to the whole suborbital tourism business. He might lay waste to Bezos and Branson. Um, I mean, Branson's doing a good enough job on his own. So again, e e Elon doesn't think about little tiny incremental Im improvements. Elon thinks big picture, 
10x improvement. And, you know, whether you like him or hate him, you, you cannot deny the guy's a big thinker. He takes big risks and he's achieved some mighty amazing things. Okay. So there's a difference, if I'm hearing you correctly, Elon's technology and experience is something where you would orbit the Earth? Yes, yes. Or you'd be on your way to moon, or the moon, or you'd be on your way to Mars. But again, you'd have potentially dozens, if not hundreds, of people in that starship versus, you know, four, four to six people in the little suborbital hoppers. And you know, we don't believe that anything is ever going to happen at Spaceport America anyway. But if Elon can pull that off, I guarantee you, nothing will ever happen at Spaceport America. Okay, I did ask um, Rebecca Dow some uh, interesting questions on Spaceport uh, directly from you. Mark Dice is somebody you need to follow. He's a very funny guy, um, but boy, he plays a leftist. Uh, one, one of his last tweets is, Amazon banned no dress for Timmy, a children's book about a boy who won't wear a dress. Timmy get hateful, but this censorship went unnoticed by conservative media. He calls out other conservative media, and that's one of the reasons why I like uh, uh, Mark Dice. So if you have not followed him, know who he is. Uh, he's like that other guy, the redhead, long flowing red hair. But uh, in my opinion, it's a different type of wit because he's calling attention to the stupidity of people who are uninformed or unintelligent or quite often the case, both, both. Um, let's see, the Irish Daily Mirror had something uh, out. And I started looking at Twitter because I'm <clears throat> refamiliarizing myself with Twitter again. And what's really interesting is yes, the trending stuff is still up there. And so I grabbed it. Dr. Strange is set in Multiverse of Madness, which stars Benedict Cumberbatch, Rachel McAdams, Olsen is to be released next week. Well, apparently in this Disney movie, I don't know if you saw this or not, uh, Dow. I'm looking at it right now. Oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Disney has been asked to cut the LGBTQ scene in Dr. Strange by, of all all places, Saudi Arabia. So we'll talk about that uh, when we return. I think it's something that we should uh, delve into. You're welcome to go ahead and launch into any topics on this wide open, woke, not Coke, Wednesday, right here in the Kiva on AM 1600 KIVA, abq.fm, rockoftalk.com. You have Time Magazine, YouTube, 87, yeah, one of the uh, best uh, bands of all time, but uh, they are a little bit woke in their own no matter. Back and forth. magazine uh, is time even printing anymore i don't even know what's happening over there with that but uh 
You know, that's an interesting sort of intro into all of this because we're going to talk about what's happening in Saudi Arabia very quickly uh, as they are wanting certain parts cut out of movies. Why, why don't we have this type of, well, that's intolerant, does it? Well, I thought they were the most tolerant, you know. They've got a liberal ruler now, uh, the crown prince, liberal crown prince now, uh, Dowd, very interesting, uh, Al, um, let's, it's, it's Al something, uh, not Al Jiro, not Al uh, Shabbat, it's, uh, let me, Bin Salman, Muhammad Bin Salman, I apologize to you know, my, the, uh, uh, the Muslim community when I was uh, passing by them today. I, I, I literally, and I, they, not only do they have a Taco Bell that they've occupied, but the Taco Bell has a full court back, uh, a full court uh, basketball uh, court right in the, right there and right next to a 7-Eleven. There it is. Wow. Yeah, no, it's, it's full fledged, full court. There it is. They, they get, you know, well, a lot of the NBA players, they inevitably convert to, uh, you know, serving Muhammad at, at some point. It's just one of those things that, that happens uh, as you know, mysterious ways uh, is not about a particular woman. It's about a woman in general and the way they ent- entrance and often dominate men says Bono. Okay. <laughs> I've, about I've never seen that happen. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It's a mysterious ways. Uh, really. What, what does she do? Well, she, she has one move and she uses it uh, to uh, an end. It's about a man living on literal or no romance. It's a song about women or a woman, but it's addressed to them. Well, the Saudis in this uh, latest installment here of Dr. Shivago. No, it's a doctor. What, what is it called? Dr. I don't even know. What is it? Dr. Strange. Yeah. Nobody even knows what Shivago is. I do. Omar Sharif. Saudi Arabia has asked Disney to cut the LGBTQ scene. Now, you're going to love this. This is a high level of intolerance, according to liberals, a liberal leader. By the way, the Saudi Arabia is selling everything off suddenly. They're, they're gearing down for the countdown, for the drill down, for the recession. That's inevitable. Doctor Strange is set in the multiverse of madness, which stars Cumberbatch, McAdams, and Olsen is due to release next week. Part of that, you can get your tickets if you like. I won't. Saudi Arabians, uh, Saudi officials want a 12-second clip. Get this. In which a lesbian, lesbian, I'm a lesbian, right? The choice, remember? It's a choice. So I can be a lesbian. You know, you got all you guys, you chauvinists, you're like, yeah, you're not a lesbian. I'm like, I'm a lesbian. Anyway. Lesbian character refers to her two moms to be edited out of the Marvel movie. She refers Nawaf Al Saban and Saudi Arabia's general supervisor of cinema classification. We need that. <laughs> That's not Nazi. Uh, said it's just her talking about her moms because she has two moms being in the middle of the East. It's very tough to pass something like this. He added, we sent it to the distributor and the distributor sent it to Disney and Disney has told us they are not willing. So Dr. Strange will not be shown in all of this. So I'm the one that's entitled the very conservative. You need to respect the religion. You respect their understanding. Disney's not very respect. They're getting a little bit of their come up and out in Florida, D-Dad Muska. Uh, they and, certainly are. Uh, on top yeah. of that, they're 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 not responding very well. They're not uh, they're not uh, catering to their audience. Their customers. Well, it, it's right. it's remarkable, and I kind of followed this more or less indirectly. I've never written about it, but there's a lot of information available. There was even a, even a um, a book written called Hollywood in China. Not not talking about the Saudis, but talking about China. Uh, the author said you won't see the Chinese government acting as an enemy to the U.S. state, but you will see the counterexample of things like The Martian and Gravity, where Chinese astronauts save an American American astronaut. So. There's a list, uh, there's multiple lists. The original Doctor Strange changed the Ancient One character from Tibetan to Celtic, 
if you acknowledge that Tibet is a place and that he's Tibetan, you risk alienating 1 billion people who think that's BS and risk the Chinese government going, uh, we're not going to show your movie. Iron Man 3 changed the Mandarin from an evil Chinese mastermind in the comics to a Western actor hired by the real villains. Uh, Cloud Atlas removed nearly 30 oh. minutes from its Chinese cut, wow. an interesting movie, sci-fi movie, it's like, uh, Halle Berry and Tom Tom Hanks. It's actually an overlooked film. It's pretty good uh, as a science fiction film. Uh, Thirty minutes they removed from the Chinese cut, largely plot lines and scenes with controversial uh, bedroom fun. Let's say Looper oh. changed a scene from future Paris to future Shanghai, hoping to qualify as a Chinese co-production, etc., etc., etc. Hollywood, uh, they really are eager to uh, say all sorts of hateful and judgmental things about Americans, but boy, they knuckle under when foreign governments uh, make demands of them. That is very interesting because those are large. Uh, I wonder what the Chinese were so upset about. Maybe they don't have enough bedrooms. That was it. That had to be it uh, you know, for all the people. A lot of people. There, there. Of course, yeah, uh, so uh, here's another thing. Uh, Vanity Fair, Viola Davis. Here's another uh, trigger. Viola Davis has some thoughts about the review she received for her portrayal of Michelle Obama. That's right. Uh, one good thing about uh, all this, uh, right, is that Jill is not uh, like Michelle Obama. Viola delivered a fantastic performance in playing the former first lady. Boy, the facial expressions, all the negativity. And I immediately put a photo in there, which doubt I know you'll love. <clears throat> one of the greatest quotes in the history of first ladies. From Michelle Obama, someone is going to have to give up a piece of their pie so that someone else can have more. Yeah, there you go. Classic liberalism. Back after this happy hour news right here in the Kiva on AM 1600 KIVA, ABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Hour two just for you up next. This is The Rock of Talk on AM 1600 KIVA Albuquerque. Albuquerque's macro aggression. Eddie Aragon, the, the Rock of Talk. I am Eddie Aragon, The Rock of Talk on AM 1600 KIVA, ABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. I'm suffering, folks. My, uh, might be those forest fires. I can't think of anything else that it would be. It's got to be the fires that are. You know, jumping directly uh, into that. Uh, by the way, that is vertigo. No, I'm not playing that uh, because. Uh, oh, I, it's going again. There it is. Down. It's so good. It had to play a second time. Sorry about that. Yeah, I apologize. It's a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> it's getting windy in here. It's even blowing the uh, controls all over the place. Don't forget, you can catch us on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV. We went over the tech end of everything uh, to kick off the show, uh, including the Roku. You, you want an Eddie. And Rock of Talk uh, Roku button, that's a little weird, but uh, I guess you could get one. Why not just uh, go to where you can find it? Roku TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, uh, podcasting on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. You could always listen to us on AM 1600 uh, if you like on the radio. And uh, don't forget, you can app us at rockoftalk.tv and rockoftalk.com. And why not become a subscriber for pennies a day and actually know where you're going, what you're doing, and get it in your inbox at rockoftalk.chat. Hour two, just for you, me and the crew, just actually me, D, Dowd, Muska. Uh, and you, and uh, we're going to get into fires. We're going to get into guns. I'm going to give you a little ride on my, <clears throat> maybe that's what it was today. I took a, a ride about an eight mile. Uh, I'll, 
talk about uh, my experience on the um, on the scooter today, visiting the transit authority. Uh, <clears throat> we don't have that here. It's a bunch of bureaucrats who are working, and I'll tell you how the buses are funded. I will tell you what they're looking for and just the lack of motivation over there, folks. They just don't care. Uh, it's all free, and they didn't care that it cost you $130 million, um, but they are they're there the pride is there the guy literally is the, the guy's literally rolling up in his rubicon i'm like the guy literally has uh, uh 24 some odd years and he rolls up in a tricked out and i mean like he has every latch every color coordinated latch and everything I'm like pretty nice rubicon bro it's a nice rubicon uh, you know rubies are like what 70 80k I mean, they're, they're, not, they're not cheap. I don't know anything about vehicles, but I know that, I think I looked it up before. I'm like, Rubicons are expensive. Like, yeah, not, that's nice work if uh, if you can get it. Uh, let's talk about fires. Let's kick things off. Uh, by the way, D-Dad Muska, how are you? Uh, very well. And I, I got to say, Eddie, with, with oh, me back. Right, me, hold on, hold on. We got, we got a lot of things going on here. I got papers in front of me and my throat is really killing me. I don't know what's going on. So I'm not going to be very loud today. So go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, I'm doing quite well, Eddie. With you back on as a, a personal account, my personal account back on, uh, the, the new followers are and the new people being exposed to uh, our work uh, just in the last 24, 36 hours, pretty great. I just tweeted out from the Rock of Talk Twitter account, our most read piece from 2021, which of course, as I always like to brag, is about masking children. The moms came out in force and read my piece, taking on MLG. It's really one of my proudest pieces. So it's available on the Twitter account right now. There you go. You know, rock of talk, uh, dot chat. We'll put it out uh, right there. So uh, front page of the Albuquerque Journal, like every day, uh, yesterday I clamored for it. I said, where's Jolene Gutierrez, the town crier, waiting for her? You know, oh, there she is. She's at the bottom of today's uh, front page of the Albuquerque Journal. Uh, feel free to vote for us uh, or me or we or whatever you think that is and the Reader's Choice Award if you feel like it. I'm a bit absent two years, but it's because, uh, what's that guy? Um, he was so mad when I won like four years in a row. Uh, 98.5. Chaz Malibu? Chaz Malibu, yes. Chaz, Chaz Malibu. Chazzy, Chazzy. Uh, so here she goes. Look, just listen to the way she starts out her article. And Jolene always does this. She had heard the April 22nd forecast, the incendiary combination of high winds and low humidity that portended a devastating conflagration. I'm done. That, that's it. <laughs> She's riding full of Pulitzer, folks. There she is, the town crier of Albuquerque, New Mexico. I mean, nothing impacts her personally. And even, even, even her own personal stories become fodder for the front page of the Albuquerque Journal. I don't know where you're at on that spectrum doubt of allowing your sort of personal life to come through, shine through on the front page. But I think it's kind of, you know, and it says very, very bad day. The day before it's, uh, uh, as I saw you ranchers getting used out there. Okay. It's about how, and remember if you, there's an actual website, uh, I think you can pull it up doubt. That's got every forest fire in the entire country that's listed. I believe there's 411 forest fires right now, something like that. Dow will look it up. I'm having no time. It's an entire map. Governor asked for more assets as wildfires burn. Like it's it's full page end to end. I mean, you want to talk about saving the trees? The, the, not not. I, I think the Albuquerque Journal is burning more. Is probably burning more trees than those actual fires out there with their smut. They're peddling out there, and it says, um, "Just listen to these 
Residents rushed to escape merged Calf Canyon hermit peak fires. Evacuations continue for 5,000 homes. Okay, people are going to lose their homes. People are going to be losing these, these things. They, they know they live out there. Has anybody talked about the origins of these fires? The controlled burns? Anybody get into any of the details about all this kind of stuff? The cat, and, and you see the little, they're, they're literally smokestacks that are right here. Now, I'm not being insensitive. I'm just telling you that there are, across the country, besides those two fires, another 409 forest fires that are out there. They're everywhere. Now, I know besides the fires there, many of you have been sending me in text messages about the number of, well, forest agriculture, food plants that have been catching on fire. I can't even begin to to that because I don't know anything. It, it is a little bit strange. And then this morning, I'm listening to Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck's throwing this stuff out there, and he's like, well, there's going to be a massive famine, and people are going to be starving, and that's the next thing that's coming. And look what's happening in Shanghai. And So wait, wait, agro, agro, if it's not the forest, it's the food plants. If it's not the food plants, it's the shutdowns and the fact that, you know, the commodities are too expensive. So something bad is happening. But in my opinion, you know, we go back a few years, and all of this seemed very, very preventable as if it should have never happened in the first place. And so, you know, I'm just putting my thinking cap on. I never think about what it costs to get, you know, from farm to table. We want to call it such a thing. I mean, you, you don't call these agricultures farms. It's just a place that they get huge subsidies. You might want to take a look at a movie called Food, Inc. Uh, some time ago. It talks about the subsidization of corn stalks and how they lose money every single year and they essentially just push out this stuff, corn, so that they can create enough ethanol to get people involved in green. So and immediately my brain goes there. Is this year any drier than last year? Well, we look on the drought page and we say, oh, yes, of course it is. Then again, I'm like, okay, well, it's a U.S. Meteorological Society. Of course, it's gonna, they're going to say it's drier. Do we actually know if it's drier? Or are these things getting started? We don't know about, like, no one's looking at an arsonist. We know that many of these things are, you know, controlled burns. Or, you know, how are they getting started sort of all of a sudden? And why aren't they happening every year? Just like this. That's a bit nefarious and cynical for me to sort of derive that. Well, we're arriving at this place on purpose, but there is a part of me that feels that we are arriving at this place. Yes, on purpose. The calamity that's being created can't just be happening all across the country and all at once. I don't want to think that way, but I think now, given the huge number of topological uh, graphs, pictures, etc., with the uh, overage of overlays of satellites and stuff, you're like, oh my gosh, half the country is burning. It's not just New Mexico. Like, uh, why, why would this be happening? And my brain, instead of thinking about, oh, well, it's just drought, it's just this, is immediately going to a political aim. Wow. How did I arrive there? Why am I a cynical guy? No, am I negative Nelly? Am I, do I, do you look at this stuff and say, okay, you know, I'm going to arrive at this point? Doubt. Uh, I'm sure you found it already. Uh, you see the number of uh, fires that are across the country. As you look at the overlay, you make it seem like New Mexico is the only place on fire. <laughs> right. No, right. the entire country is somehow on fire. As if not COVID has created a huge drought and there's no rain.
somebody playing with the weather systems. I feel like they're uh, using those, uh, what are they, those sound hums, right? I get these people sometimes, there's something about the atmospherics and they send out the sound and it, it creates different weather. I'm like, what? What is all that? That's that's beyond my ability to comprehend. Dad, what'd you find on those uh, fires? Yeah, is the uh, country burning? Yeah, you're right. Uh, there is a kind of a central repository for the federal government. It's called the National Interagency Fire Center based out of Boise, Idaho. Oh, I love Idaho so much. Oh, so I've got to go back somehow. Uh, as of today, they are reporting two new fires uh, nationally. They look at the whole nation, one in Pennsylvania, one in Missouri. Nationally, nearly 3,700 firefighters and support personnel are currently assigned to 11 large fires. Now, what, what stands out the most about this, and this is, again, any, whether it's intentional or whether it's not, they are going to promote any crisis in order to leverage what they want to achieve uh, that may have nothing to do with the actual problem itself. So here's what they say. Since January 1st this year, 21,181 wildfires have burned uh, about 1.1 million acres nationally. And here, and here's where it, here's where it comes in. This continues to be well above the 10 year average of about 15,000 wildfires that burn 727,000 acres. Again, they, they have to always catastrophize everything because they're so drenched in their ideology and their power mongering that just just a, a daily news report about some phenomenon will immediately be uh, misdirected or shifted or veered in one spot where they can use it to promote what they want to do that again that may have nothing to do with the problem itself um these people are pretty ideological eddie I mean, it's just all right. So I'm looking. Thank you for pulling that up. I, if you go to fi fireweatheravalanche.org, fireweatheravalanche.org, there are 439 fires that are in the contiguous United States. If you're just looking at the Southwest, okay, and I'm going to look at, let's look at half of Arizona half of Utah, half of Colorado, uh, three quarters of Texas, all of Oklahoma, all of uh, Kansas, and then moving on down to Missouri and Arkansas. Just in those places, in a, a little bit of Louisiana, a little bit of Mississippi, in that overlay, I'm going to save this down so you can see it. There are 208 active fires. 208 active fires. I can't imagine at any point previously that I can remember this number of fires that are happening. Generally, when you have a fire, it's like, well, 30,000 acres, it's been uh, 25%. We're not talking about containment. Have you noticed that the, the jargon has changed? Anybody else notice that? We're not talking about containment or whether or not the fire is going to continue. We're talking about various origins of fires. The number of active fires that I'm looking at here on the Fire, Weather, and Avalanche Center is 208 in the uh, territory that I mentioned. It doesn't make sense. Does it make sense to you? It doesn't add up. Love to hear what you guys have to say about this. I'm not a fire guy. Not even interested. Not just generally not paying attention to this stuff. Maybe just because of my throat. But I don't know that we need to be asking for more funds. And uh, I don't know that uh, you know any more funds is going to sort of defray any of this kind of stuff. But these fires aren't just starting on their own. <laughs> These aren't lightning fires because there's no weather. There's no storms. There's no, there's no rain. Call me crazy. Doubt uh, your final thoughts on. on well, the, I'm just uh, very interested in this other 
you know, I'm always trying to get good data and, and what no. reliable data is. Uh, it appears that this website, Fire Weather and Avalanche Center, uh, they're started in February 2017. I'm a big fan of people who compile information outside of, of government. Uh, it's a it's a nonprofit, and they they're basically not directly saying it, but we do a better job than the feds tracking all this stuff. The feds, not surprisingly, seem to track the major fires. This nonprofit, when you were talking about hundreds of examples, Eddie, they, they seem to track all fires. That's right. Uh, and, they, and it's a, you know, it, frequently the private sector does things better than government. Uh, according to their LinkedIn page, they utilize technology and recreation expertise to deliver accurate, useful, and scientific information to the backcountry user group as well as the general public they look pretty credible to me they're based out of la grande oregon uh it doesn't surprise me that people who are more dedicated and more professional than say federal bureaucrats are, are setting up their own data sources and doing this uh so thanks for the heads up eddie sometimes you got to look beyond just the feds yeah and that's like really what i was looking at i was looking at all of this stuff uh and you know sometimes i find the information and you know i, I bounce around a lot as uh, every single person knows that's kind of what i want to do i wonder what it's going to look like midsummer um by by that we'll see we'll see what happens and uh on the front cover of time magazine back in 87 it was this actual band yes believe it or not folks you too they were on the front cover and their album at the time it was their really breaking out album and it was the unforgettable fire there it is by you too thanks everybody for listening Back after a quick break uh, right here into the queue of am1600kivabq.fm, rockoftalk.com. REM, uh, back in the day, uh, one of my favorite songs. But I think one of the most brilliant songs uh, there is as well. I don't know. It's like, uh, it's so incredibly classic. It doesn't know it's classic. And then you could play it today and it's as if it, they just released it. It's uh, one of those weird songs that just has this sort of evergreen appeal. You can play it now. You can play, it's just, it's a, it's a rare song, folks. Trust me. Um, it's, it's a song. It's, it's 
R.E.M.'s greatest creation uh, by far. It's not even close. It's that good of a song. Okay, in 1999, they appeared on the scripted series for the first time when the band guested on Party of Five. They did that? I can't even believe that. Michael Stipe, uh, Bush, uh, and uh, all the rest of the crew that was there, they used to be, uh, you know, sort of... Uh, Punk rock, college rock, that's what they were considered. And boy, one of the, the best bands around. And then all of a sudden they got a little bit of success and it all came apart. It all became about Michael Stipe and uh, the cult of Michael Stipe. And just Stipe ruined it because he wasn't enough. He had a great voice and he wasn't enough to sort of keep it going. And I think that way, I think they lost it. They sort of had that, you know, that the big coming out. Um, uh, I think it what was it? it was after Green. It was out of time, I think. And after the losing my religion, uh, Michael lost his hair and then the rest of the band sort of lost their minds and they never really kind of got back to the place, um, where they, where they needed to be, uh, which was a good band. So it literally all, they, they imploded on three, three albums basically <laughs> <laughs> from having so so much, uh, promise today's birthday is including, uh, Ace Freely 71 met the, uh, Gene Simmons and, uh, Paul Stanley. I thought that was pretty cool, but never Ace he was the the one with uh was he the which one was Ace? He had the silver stars, right? He had the I silver so, stars. Yeah. I think that was him. Uh, let's see, Larry Elder, seventy years young. Uh, he decided uh, should be the governor for you, right? The black face uh, of white supremacy, as the left calls him. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to. I don't even know how to not laugh at that. What is wrong with these people? Politician and braying uh, jackass. Uh, I don't know what braying means. What does that mean? How to make, you know, donkeys make annoying noises, you know, braying. Uh, uh, Cory Booker, 53, huh? Cory? God. He is, he, he, if I was in the Senate, he would be the one guy I would want to have conflict with because <laughs> I know that he would like wait in the lunchroom as I'm coming from like oh, introducing yeah. a bill. He would wait to like confront me and I'd be like, hey, what's up, Cory? <laughs> have it out right here. <laughs> I would pay to see a debate between Eddie Aragon and Corey Booker. That would be fun. He'd look at me and I'd be like, wait, I thought for a second you were Reggie Miller. No. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sally Hawkins. I don't know who that is, but that's uh, because I don't watch movies. British. Lizzo. Truth hurts. Truth hurts, girl. Melissa Vivienne Jefferson, 34 years of age. To go back uh, to my uh, uh, very offensive... Uh, uh, Twitter feed right here. Um, I actually posted, this is 23 more seconds of the NBA that I haven't watched in 23 years. Apparently he's going to make a phone call. So there's, you don't have to watch the NBA. You could just watch the highlight or the, the game win, winning shot. And then you get to watch the whole finish with the guy. Like somehow he makes the telephone uh, uh, call with this. Watch it. Here, here's the call. You got to listen to this. Here. Brooks, toss it. Morant drives. Drives. With the bucket. With the bucket. And that's it. A gutty grizzly win. Whoa. Gutty grizzly. Memphis. And Morant is the hero. And Morant is the hero. See, I don't, I don't need to watch anything. Some guy named Morant <laughs> making a telephone call to his mom who got a layup with uh, 109-109, Min versus Mem. You know, I wouldn't know. I didn't even know that there was a team called the Pelicans. I'm not even kidding. I, I didn't either until I saw the headline sometime today. <laughs> yeah, the Louisiana the Pelicans. Pelicans. Okay. Nolan's Pelicans. All right. right. Yeah, so, anyway, and then uh, this other guy, uh, 
Tuesday, he decided to go ahead and post something. I'm like, okay, that's cool. He says, N-word put some Jordan 1s in cargo pants, and they think they're Travis Scott. I'm like, I got to retweet that stuff. Why? It needs retweeting because I'm 4.6% black. There you go. Right? I can do this. I'm not going to get banned. You know, there's this, uh, what? That's funny. Absolutely. Okay. Well, you can say what I want. I'm just. I'm the DNA on. is what the DNA is, man, my man. <laughs> yeah. I got the DNA all day. You can't even, you, you don't even know who your pappy is. And I can say whatever I want. That That's not low. I'm just, do we need to go back to the 71% thing? And you, <laughs> you said some things that are very offensive. I'm like, really? I, I don't think I said anything that was, being truthful is not offensive, by the way. So earlier today, um, there's a woman on Twitter. We're going to get to guns here in a sec. Speaking of woke uh, and coke, we're going to get to a story on that. And then uh, Alec Baldwin. Oh, my gosh. The guy's a disaster. This woman, her name is Sarah Sarah Gonzalez. Hispanics are kind of great because, you know, they can just jump into any kind of racial pool they want at any time. You know, that's like, and then if, if you try to offend us, then we'll just say immediately call you a racist. And then, you know, we're good. Hunter, she's trying to get banned on Twitter to see if it's actually working. Okay. Ah. So listen to the things that she says. And they're really good, Dowd. You ready for this? Oh, that's one of Glenn Beck's people. Yeah. Oh, is it? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Sara Gonzalez. Sara Gonzalez. Hunter Biden is a crackhead. Yep. I got <laughs> uh, 21.2 thousand likes. Let's see. That, that came in uh, numero uno. Let's see. Uh, the the only systemic racism that exists in this country is against white people. I would actually agree with that. I think that's these that's days. One, yeah, one hundred percent. Black on black crime is a greater problem than white supremacy. <laughs> <laughs> that's Completely true. true. Yeah, there's no Completely doubt about true. that. Boy, that like, truer words can never be said. Let's see. Um, the majority of Asian hate crimes are committed by black people. Fact. That's fact. Actually, all the, all the videos I've seen, all the videos it's, I've seen videos. We actually, we, we pulled out the stats one time. We can go back. We can go roll tape. And then there are rapists and murderers at the Southern border. <laughs> uh, so apparently Sarah Gonzalez, I believe at the time of that reading is still up. There you go. Yep. Still okay, up. I also have to do the scooter uh, update. I think the scooter ride did it long time rider till she died. Ooh, you, let's see. Grab some honey for that throat. Lemon too. If you can grab it. Great for singers' voice, yes, but I don't have those. I don't just have lemons. I don't need any fruit, by the way. You should know. Fruit's bad for you, except for apples, because I work with Dowd and apples. Are free. And <laughs> don't apples. make Tom and Sharon angry. <laughs> Tom, Tom, I've never had a Tom like me. Does your dad like me, or do we know? Uh, yeah, my father. Well, see, you're you. Well, you, you and my father have a lot in common, actually. Really? <laughs> yeah, you're you're kind of big personalities, athletes. Oh. Uh, you're a father. He he had three kids, not two. Um, I think oh, you wow. and my dad would get along really well. Yeah. All right. Good. I'm all like, I'll make him some cider. It's sad to report that our state has removed the USA flag from the big eye. I noticed that a veteran over the weekend texted me. Really? To tell me that the U.S. flag. Yeah. So it has the POW MIA and it has the New Mexico flag. And there's no United States of America flag. But it's kept the prisoner of war flag of the New Mexico state flag. That is true. I saw that. And he, 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 I, I didn't get back to him. For your information, Didi got myocarditis wrong yesterday. Oh, D-Dow. This is from, 
By the way, this is from one of our smartest guys. Doubt. So I'm gonna. I'm okay. gonna I just read I, what was on the website. I didn't make any thoughts of my own. Do you want to read this? Yeah. If I got something wrong, I want to be corrected. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I like that doubt. That's good. That's good. Pericarditis is inflammation of the lining or sac around the heart. Myocarditis is inflammation of the heart muscle. Okay. Itself. Neither is good. Yeah. Any itises are not good in my opinion. A man doesn't need to be believing in anything else. He needs to believe in himself. I could be the walrus, but then I'd still have to bum rides off of people. Fire reports can be reports from the asymmetric front. We are at war. Okay. So someone who believes with my assessment, I hate having that cynical assessment. As usual, the government is causing the catastrophe. Controlled burns causing millions of billions of dollars in damage to nuclear weapons being phased out. No domestic energy exploration and spending money we don't have and that I and generations afterward have to pay for. Oh, yeah, one more thing. Sanctioning the murder of unborn babies in 73. Uh, I'm going to have to go forward with Matt on that. I have to agree, Matt. That's good. Sorry, Eddie. Just tuned in a few minutes ago, but I think the climate change wackos will say it's all due to global warming. <laughs> that's that's what they say. Yeah, that's probably it. All right, John. I Any weather event, no matter what, if you're talking about avalanches, fires, earthquakes, heat spells, blizzards, it's all evidence of increasing, uh, you know, weather. The, the, the they call it the climate emergency now. It's not it's not global warming. It's not climate change. It's a climate emergency. It. The end of the world as we know it, and uh, I feel fine. Wire in the fire, visitors in the cage, and the government for hire in a combat site. Unless they want to come in and hurry, if you're down at your neck. Jimmy G reporters. Okay. So I want to go to this editorial in the. <clears throat> I don't even know why they put it. Can you see it there? Am I on camera? I hope. You look fine. Know. Okay. I'm looking, looking, looking mighty fine there, Eddie. Eddie. Mr. Gasson. Mr. Good-looking man, Mr. Gasson. Ah, you're looking real good. Gun out. Sorry. Once it starts, you can't stop. I got a guy that was riding around on my scooter, and, like, I had to just try to coordinate. He had three pots. He's been making barbecue for, like, 42 years. He's like, I'll be at the Waffle House. I said, I'll be right there. And he had jerk chicken in pots and some, some – he had ribs. And some. I'm like, I'm going to go buy it. I said, uh, you know, uh, I'll, he wanted to go get his little cash thing. And then – we like went back and forth and I'm like, I, and I gave him my card. I said, I, I want that. You know, I, I want, it smells so good. He opened up his van and he had like three pots. Yeah, I didn't, I wasn't looking for the red or green report for me to get her. Yeah, I was just looking good jerk chicken. And, uh, well, anyway, I'll have to track him down some other, some other time. I don't know where I was going with that other than that was part of my scooter ride, uh, today. I was, uh, <clears throat> gun owners can help keep firearms out of the wrong hand. Every day, eight children are unintentionally injured or killed to an unlocked or unsupervised gun in the home. I don't need to read it anymore because we all know where this goes. And yeah. we all know that gun control and Dr. Oz and the rest of you liberals uh, love gun control. Okay. And I couldn't get past this absolutely ridiculous Los, Al Los Angeles Times piece. Okay. And this is focused on rust for the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office. And they finally got some new information that, that, that that's coming out. And let me give you my conclusion. I posted on Twitter. The article's there. You can see it there, at The Rock of Talk. Right? Fat Roger has at Rock of Talk. That's where you can find Fat Roger. Um, it says, what I gleaned from the article after reading it is that Alec Baldwin is not responsible despite the fact that he was holding a gun. 
if any other person on the face of this planet was holding a gun that went off in somebody's hand, that person would be guilty and culpable in the murder or slash manslaughter, I shouldn't say slash, or manslaughter of the other person. Is that, that's fair to say, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Very fair to say. So there's this whole argument that's being purported. And of course, because he's Alec Baldwin, he gets to go ahead and make these suggestions. And he should already be in jail. But there's, right, various other competing things that were taking place in all of this that made it happen. And, and I, I see this as a complete and total sign from God. Yeah, New Mexico of all places, Russ, New Mexico. So Alex is holding a gun, which is somehow different than, yes, they're making the argument, pulling the trigger. Because someone told him to uh, re- bring back the hammer. And they're going to, at the end of the day, the culpability is going to come out to the actual, and for, for you gun people out there, you're going to know this, you know, the, how much force it takes for you to pull the trigger of your gun. That's where we're going with this. This seems to be pretty open and shut. There's live ammo on set. Did or did did not Alec Baldwin know whether or not it was hot or live ammo? No, he didn't know. But what we, what's the first thing that you walk in to any sort of gun training, vigilant, uh, you know, firearms? I think Keith Kolb does a great job of getting everybody lined up. And the first thing you do is like, is the weapon empty? Is it open? You're making sure there's nothing in the chamber. Like, first thing. And the other thing is you make sure that you never aim it at anything ever for any reason. Alec Baldwin is guilty of murder, whether it's involuntary manslaughter or whether it's first degree murder. At some point he had enough knowledge to know whether it's through gun training way when he started and there was a lot of problems that are happening out on the rest set. 204 pages summarizing the investigation. The sheriff's office has not filed any charges related to the shooting. In my opinion, if I were the film industry, I would look at that since there are, and, and I know you don't care about the rest of us who die and murder, get murdered every single day or, you know, manslaughter or whatever. But you're talking about an industry that we bring into the state of New Mexico. How is it that you cannot file any charges in the death of Helena Helena Hutchins? I think we're seven months in from this. So there's a fine of $137,000 for safety violations. That's going to go a long way to uh, to satisfy the death of a mother and a wife. Yeah, I know. He's starting to get angry. According to Adan Mendoza, who who has yet to, to file my uh, uh, petitions in Santa Fe County for the Epstein Ranch, right? Apparently, uh, Hallinan's out there trying to make a name for himself. And, and John Block, of course, those two boys were getting together on the Pinon Post. Hallinan, Hallinan and Block. We might have some information on the Epstein Ranch. I think I do that too good. That's a little too convincing. Sorry, I apologize. According to Sheriff Adan Mendoza, various components of the investigation remain outstanding, including FBI firearm and ballistic forensics, along with DNA and latent fingerprint analysis. 
according to the medical examiner. And here's where it gets starts, starts to get interesting. Heather Gerald found the projectile entered through the right side of her body, traveled to the right chest, right lung, exit of the right chest cavity. My gosh, not only was this hot, it had lots of power. And you asked the person to pull the hammer back. And the person who made the call was already having behavioral issues, or I should say interpersonal relationship issues, on the set. The hemming and the hawing for the for the rest of the film industry, and I think that this should stop filming for anything in the state of New Mexico because one of the things that we do know about leftists and unions, and I thought, didn't they have a big leftist union doubt, if I'm not mistaken, that, that's able to rally around? Oh, well, what's the guy? You, you guys debated him or had some... Oh, <laughs> oh what was his name? John... Uh, oh, How are yeah. yes. they... Are they so woke... Are they so incredibly woke and on the left that they're unwilling to upset the apple cart and their unions and threaten and go after and really get to the bottom of this? And, and Adan Mendoza is a, a Democrat. Yep. Yep. And you have this all taking place up in Santa Fe, not too far off the, uh, the main drag there. Here's the last pieces. Her attorney declined to comment. Baldwin's attorney... Luke Nika said in a statement that new information provided demonstrates once again that Mr. Bolton acted responsibly, did not have control over any production issues that were identified in the OSHA report. He was holding the gun. He's the one with money. He's the one who is holding the gun. Even if you said that they trigger, we have to measure. And in an interview with the sheriff's office, Baldwin said that he attended firearms practice on October 12th and that the person who supplied him with the ammo didn't know it was live was present during that practice. In text message obtained by the sheriff's office, Gutierrez Reed showed signs of the mounting stress that she was under. Uh, four days later, she spoke about how she felt like she kept getting thrown under the bus in a text message to somebody named Zachary. She told the prop master about receiving an email from people, including a line producer, about not supporting props. An interview with the detectives, she said it was unpleasant to be on set because it was toxic. She said she wasn't aware, and all these are in text, that the hammer in the gun was supposed to be pulled back in the scene. She said she wasn't aware that the hammer in the gun was supposed to be pulled back in the scene that she wished she checked it more, the report stated. Sounds to me like the only people telling the truth were everybody but Alec Baldwin. Because ultimately, the one who held and lifted the gun and aimed it was Alec Baldwin. This woman, this is not the first time that she's been hired to do exactly this, and she did it successfully. Many times. But in order for us to keep filming and doing these types of things here, there needs to be some level of culpability because this story is starting to fizzle. It's starting to die, and it seems like it's going to get buried in the corner where any sort of celebrity can get away, literally with murder. Sue me. There should be charges. There should be justice. Isn't that what all you liberals and you film people and you, you know, uh, we have a, a Black History Arts Month and a Native American uh, Film History Arts Month and all this. Like, you oh, I guess a white person. Should we go there? Should we, should we go there? Hire, not the help. Isn't worth investigating and pressing charges on behalf of? Something happened. They know. It doesn't take them seven months with that many people watching the murder of somebody happening. Okay. Intentional, unintentional. It's their doubt.
And I know that you've got to be upset about this. This is an industry that that is that is big. And it just seems to me like all things in New Mexico, this would have been handled differently than any any other place. Not in New Mexico, just exactly the way that we're seeing it being handled right now. And there's no pressure. Where's Michelle Lujan Grisham? Takes pictures with Tom Hanks and all the celebrities. You know, so, oh, I want to meet the governor. Oh, I'm going to have dinner with the governor tonight. I'm sure Alec Baldwin, if we check his itinerary and we did, uh, uh, what do you call those when you use uh, the uh, IPRAS? I'm sure Alec Baldwin has probably met with several government officials while he was in town. We knew Val Kilmer used to hang out with Tom Udall all the time. I know. I was around both of them. (laughs) We know these things. This is irresponsible by the Sheriff Adan Mendoza. This is irresponsible by the state of New Mexico film office. Has there been an official statement other than, well, we were sad and we fined them $136,000 for what? The insurance taking care of this? I mean, the woman lost her life. She was gifted, talented, and, I mean, more black stains here in the, uh, the not being racial, folks. <laughs> more black stains here in the state of New Mexico. Doubt. Yeah, I mean, Eddie, you're really touching on something that we haven't had to address so much when it comes to Hollywood owning New Mexico's government, which is it's one thing to spread around the cash uh, to have your union go out and support uh, the, the, the right candidates. Uh, I, I always marvel at the fact that Republicans in the state support Hollywood welfare when they just send their union out to work on your opponent every election. I mean, just the utter stupidity of that. But you're, you're getting to something more, certainly when it comes to the family of this poor woman, yes. much more That's serious about, about subsidization. You're I'm talking right. about life and death. Yep. Is the proper administration of justice being impeded when you think about the power that, that this industry has in our state. So sheriffs yes, yes. are elected. District attorneys are elected. Right. Legislators who uh, who <clears throat> provide oversight to the judicial system are elected. Uh, when you're bought and paid for by Hollywood and Hollywood commits, and I don't mean to make light of this, I'm just being sarcastic, you know, a boo-boo and somebody dies, can that victim's family be trusted? Can they trust to see the proper administration of justice in New Mexico. Eddie, the lawyer, I, I just, some, I call New Mexico uh, Louisiana the desert, and I, I, I can find an example of this almost every day. The attorney for the assistant director, David Halls, the Rust assistant director, is none other than Lisa Taraco. Who, who's Lisa Taraco? Lisa Taraco was the one of the leading Republicans in this. She actually called my boss a number of year, years ago to, to to scream about me writing about how horrible subsidizing Hollywood was. And I can't believe it, given the given the fact that the guy's just a GOP hack cuck. I didn't get fired for that. You know, we knew I would be fired for something eventually. Lisa Taraco is defending the assistant director. Um, DAs. Sheriffs, they're elected in New Mexico. Uh, the union is very, very powerful in New Mexico. The union makes sure that the legislators who appropriate money to the congressional, uh, to the to the criminal justice system, that provide oversight on the proper uh, you know, adjudication of these sorts of cases, uh, are they? compromise when it comes to something like this they want to make this all go away and pretend that hollywood does nothing but good for new mexico uh here's the case where something very very bad happened and you are very right eddie to uh, raise these concerns it's not about just the corporate welfare we're talking about life and death in this case we shouldn't have to litigate this in public 
We wouldn't have to reach for the details if the details had already been provided. There wouldn't be a need for us to sort of make a suggestion that there's a murder slash manslaughter. Somebody needs to be responsible. The family has been made whole. They never will. A young child lost his or her mother. I, I don't know. I think the child's a little girl, if I'm not mistaken. A father, husband, lost his wife and his partner for life and is sitting here rolling. And I have to under, you know, try to figure out what does he think of New Mexico in all of this after losing his wife in this way and that there's no justice. And we're starting to see all the woke programming and movies and all the various other things that they put out there, yet their very own, they don't even take care of their very own. And here's the end of this Los Angeles Times article. I asked Alec if in the scene his figure, finger would be on the trigger, to which he advised it was on the trigger. But he didn't pull the trigger. And he only pulled the hammer back. Okay, wow. You can't, it doesn't matter if you pull a trigger on a gun, the style of gun that he had, if the hammer isn't pulled back. What's worse, pulling the trigger or pulling the hammer? If you bump a gun that has a hammer that has been pulled, what happens? Goes off. Anybody who had actually been through the right type of training would know that. Alec did not. That I attempted to explain to him how his finger was on the trigger, and if he was pulling the hammer back with his thumb, his index finger may have still had enough pressure on the trigger for him to repress it. That's where this whole entire argument's going to go. You're literally going to get into expert testimony, and you can't have forensics because there is no forensics here. Everybody watched it happen, and you're going to go to the manufacturer, and guess who, what, guess who they're going to make culpable for all this? You guessed it, folks, the manufacturer. That's what the state of New Mexico in its gun control ways that has, as you'll find out in hour number three with uh, uh, Rebecca Dow in my interview uh, with her, that that's exactly what we have. We have an office of gun control in the state of New Mexico. And it's one of the agencies that she would uh, remove. And that's going to be coming up here in about seven minutes. Alec advised her he never tries to pull the trigger on a gun unless they are rolling the camera. He won't even commit to the fact that he had his finger on the trigger, which is why I then write on Twitter, and this is incredible to me. I, I, I just, I, I can't think uh, to, to save my life on this one. So Alex was holding the gun, which is somehow different than pulling the trigger. The irony of Alec Baldwin in being, quote unquote, triggered, God is speaking to you here. 550-5500. That's 550-5500. Let's hit our top articles uh, of the day, shall we, Dowd, as we wrap it up. And uh, uh, hopefully you'll be able to tune in to my interview with uh, one Rebecca Dow. She is she is very ambitious. Um, but, you know, I, I take her off her game right off the uh, ropes. I wasn't going to let her get in. She did not get graded. She did not get included in the, uh, the, the bunch of people that were in there. Guarantee this is uh, Dictionary Dave. Dictionary Dave, you have 15 seconds to make it interesting. Go ahead, caller. <laughs> oh, it's Sorry, not. Oh, so so <laughs> disappointed. Yes, I, I can't tell you how my dis how big my disappointment is. Go ahead. <laughs> so uh, I heard uh, on a uh, podcast a few months back about Alec Baldwin's uh, father being. I don't remember if it's ex-military or, or something else, but he apparently would always run gun safety courses and whatnot. Uh, so Alex Baldwin being 
ignorant to uh, gun safety is probably a stretch unless he's been estranged from his father. But I just thought that was interesting uh, hmm. when I heard yeah. it. So just yeah. Do you know the podcast? Do you have any kind of reference uh, rather than just uh, what you may have heard on it? What podcast do you listen to? Maybe? Well, it was, I mean, it was re research uh, that someone else commented on, but that's all I heard. I never followed it up. So, oh, okay. All uh, right. Well, I appreciate the I uh, contribution. I verify but. No worries. That's good. That's good enough. We'll uh, we'll see what we can surmise from uh, that there. Oh, by the way, this Woka Coca-Cola, Coke CEO, you see my Coke shirt. This is the Coke edition on the Woka-Cola Wednesday, uh, becomes the first target in activist shareholders' busy week. Ethics wow. watchdog and activist shareholder National Legal and Policy Center is slated to speak to the boards of several major U.S. corporations, pushing a flurry of resolutions the group has proposed in an effort to persuade the companies to stay out of politics. There it is. James Quincy, your buddy Dowd, he's ruined Coke for you. He floated a resolution that would require the role of board chairman to be an independent position, meaning if it were approved, Quincy could not hold a position while serving as chief executive as he does at present. In the presentation at Coke's annual shareholder meeting, the Corporate Integrity Project Director Paul Chesser argued that Quincy's leadership has earned the company the mocking nickname Woca-Cola. Chesser and Quincy caved to the progressive political activists, when he issued a statement condemning Georgia's election integrity law last year and accused the CEO of hypocrisy for remaining silent while voter ID and registration moved through Parliament at the home country in the UK. In recent months, Chester went on to criticize him, Quincy, for a number of other moves Coca-Cola has made under his leadership. Uh, I'll let you have uh, the final dibs on your favorite uh, former beverage uh, there, D-Dowd Muska. I'm, uh, I'm doing well with RC. Ah, <laughs> the royal, you're now, you're now royal crown. Now, if listen, if you're out to get me, Okay, at a restaurant that only serves Coca-Cola products, I don't have a lot of choice. So yeah. I'm not saying that Coca-Cola will never touch my lips. I won't consciously buy it. I don't buy it at the grocery store. And uh, I just, you know, I, I, again, I don't, you and I don't, we agree on this, Eddie. We don't like boycotts. It's an endless, uh, you know, you have to keep an endless list of all the companies you're, that's how crazy the world it. is. But yeah. so, sometimes you got to stick to your guns. <laughs> sometimes you got to make an exception. <laughs> There we go. All right. Your top five is brought to you every morning at four o'clock in the morning, 4 a.m. in the morning in your inbox. Doubt is invading that inbox with his news. And then uh, we'll, of course, have uh, our replay of the show with all the notes and everything uh, uh, tonight. And then you can watch us 24-7, including yesterday's show, starting at seven o'clock. Uh, directly at rockoftalk.tv. Uh, Your top five, D-Dowd Muska. Yeah, folks, uh, the links I put out there and you picked as the most popular topics. Number one, uh, that great website over in the UK, Spiked. Uh, they have a wonderful essay on the parental revolt against woke indoctrination. It's not just the American West, the American South. It's happening in the UK. It's happening in Australia. It's happening on multiple continents. And, and that's really, really good news. Uh, number two, and Eddie, I, this week, we have to get to this story. Meow Wolf, uh, they've had this big music festival. Of course, they haven't had it the last two years. They've decided to take their big music festival and move it up to Denver this summer after Ooh. getting more than $2 million in your money, ladies wow. and gentlemen. What a way to pay back the people of New Mexico. Where is, yeah, uh, is, Heinrich, is Heinrich also moving to? Uh, oh, Mrs. Heinrich will be there, I'm sure. I mean, she'd yeah. have to be up there. Yeah. Uh, number three, uh, Project Veritas. My God, sometimes they just knock it out of the park. They got an insider leaked, some audio of a uh, all-hands uh, Zoom meeting of of, of Twitter employees who are just break, just falling apart because of Elon. Yeah. Uh, number four, uh, number four. Los Alamos is very worried about microaggressions in the workplace. Um, 
I want these people to be working on nuclear bombs and be kind of made of stern, tough stuff. Apparently, they're more con concerned about microaggressions. We should fear for the future of our country. Yeah, uh, I guess uh, I, I guess the uh, microaggressions are, are uh, considerably larger than the atoms and the neutrons that they should. Yeah, be. yeah, yeah. I'd rather have them focused on macroaggressions like nuclear bombs, but that's there just me. Uh, and then number five, Bernalillo County. They're offering rental assistance. I don't think uh, the bailouts from Rona will ever go away, will they, ladies and gentlemen? I think they'll just be with us forever. Stay tuned. Hour three, you and me, and no uh, D-Dowd makes no 3,000, but we do have Rebecca Dow uh, here in the Kiva. So we'll do that when we return for the hour. Thanks for listening after the top of the hour news right here on AM 1600 KIVABQ.FM. It's the end of the world as we know it. Six in the 505 with more 411 here for your third hour. I'm Andy Eric on the Rock of Talk, AM 1600 FM and rockoftalk.com as we uh, breeze through the uh, final hour here of the show for the full hour. It is going to be gubernatorial candidate and upstart candidate, uh, according to Joe Monahan. There he is, Joe Monahan, uh, always setting the tone for everything. And that would be uh, one Rebecca Dow who uh, joins me live in studio here this afternoon. And I'm upset at you, Rebecca. I'm upset that you didn't respond to our survey. What? And, and you, you literally came to me and you said, hey, you know, I'm tired. I'm on the road. I couldn't get this stuff out. And, you know, I realize that, but uh, you're trying to do everything yourself. And you know I'm upset with you. Get, and, get, and yet, get in line. Go and ahead you, and get in and line. you literally just came out and you said, you know what, I need to be on the show. And I said, okay, I'm fine to do an interview since, uh, well, you're the, it's especially after this morning. I, I woke up to Joe Monahan, and that must have felt like, oh, wow, that's a recognition. He thinks that you have a chance somehow of uh, beating uh, Mark, or the, as you refer to him as the weatherman. Can I say Mark Ronchetti? You know, I call him the weatherman or the pretender. Yeah. Uh, okay. We're going to get into that later. We'll we'll save that up because I, I, I'm. Let me let me get some stuff off my chest, and okay, I'll be able to do okay. this. All right. So yeah, let me do all this stuff Go so ahead. I can. Okay. We sent out a survey, and we, I mean the collective we, Dowd and I, and there were 10 questions there. Yes. Sir. And now I'm going to grill you on these 10 questions along with a number of other things, which is going to be fun uh, for me, maybe not for you. And gotta, then we're going to. Gotta be better. A live grilling <laughs> on t on radio? It's gotta be better than a than a carefully scripted and, and grammatically correct written response. Yeah, well, we got to pay for our sins, oh, right? We got to pay oh, for our sins. Gosh. So, uh, and the, the sin of not responding to us is, uh, you know, 10 lashing questions uh, at you. So we're going to we're gonna do that uh, as well. Then I'm going to ask you uh, about your ethics stuff. I, I want to know because if Joe Monahan, let, let's let's talk about the Joe Monahan piece first, okay? And by the way, how can people get a hold of you in your campaign? Where can they find you? Oh, yeah. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just type in Rebecca Dow. 
Uh, our website is RebeccaForNM.com. And you can call me on my cell. It's 575-571-1056. I'm in what? this to win this. I'm in it to win don't, it. Okay. Don't call the next 45 minutes because Eddie's mad at me and I'm trying to make up. You know? ne- never. I, I'll tell you right now, you need to make sure going forward when we send out those questions, you respond. Uh, and I'm I'm basically going to turn into Dowd for half the time here, uh, okay. just to let you know. So you <laughs> Let's got, go. All right. So hey, here's this thing with Joe Monahan. It says, Rebecca Dow continues to surprise in the race for the governor nomination, coming out with the first attack. Now, I don't watch TV, so this whole stuff is lost to me. But a lot of Republicans, especially right now, watch a lot of TV, a lot of Fox News, a lot of Fox, uh, you know, in the 4713 QB and all this. And it says, you have an attack ad aimed at Mark Ronchetti, in which she makes his chief strength, his TV stardom, his main weakness. And there's a whole other thing. I'm not going to read the article and go into this. But Joe says uh, the sort of tipping point of this, according to David Alcon, whoever the heck this guy is, and uh, whose father is a state rep from Grant, says, this is exactly what you needed. And then it says, both of the charges the attack were heard in the 20 Senate campaign, but never packaged with the power and force. Like he's literally saying this about your campaign. That includes the video of Ron Ketting dissing Trump saying, I used to be a Republican until the orange one. And then it says, uh, you know, has Ron Ketty going through. It says, here's the uh, verbiage here. Mark Ron Ketty pretends he's a Trump Republican, but do you really believe someone who worked with climate change activists funded by George Soros is a true conservative. And do you really believe a never Trumper who quit the GOP will secure our borders? Mark Ronchetti, climate change activist, never Trump. That, that's your ad. And it is very powerful. I've watched it one time and uh, it's been sent out now. Um, but that's that's essentially going to be on TV, Rebecca. You're, you're playing that all the time. So tell me about this ad. This is this is a, a hard charge against a guy who's raised 2.1 million. And I don't think it's had the type of visibility uh, that... Uh, this it, that it that it would have gotten in twenty in twenty twenty, but now in twenty twenty two, I think uh, this is something that could be effective. Your thoughts? Well, you know, uh, Mark Ranchetti, his campaign pitch is, I'm recognizable. I've been in your living room for twenty years. I've got money, therefore vote for me. He he, he finishes up his pitch with anybody's better than MLG, and it's simply not true. So here I am. I'm okay. an early anyway, educator. Let's let's pick that apart. Okay, here. money does matter. It does. You've got a lot of money. You've raised a lot of money. Uh, hard work, lots of phone calls, <laughs> starting from square zero. He has a turnkey fundraiser consultant. What, what do you machine. mean by turnkey? What does that mean? Well, I mean he's 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 a client of Jay McCluskey. Jay mm-hmm. McCluskey is known in New Mexico. Very powerful for, man for selecting candidates, mm-hmm. uh, making a lot of money off those candidates. Okay, and it, you come with a built-in fundraiser, a built-in caller list, a built-in. Uh, you know, everything is done for you on your behalf. And and we decided after our exploration for governor, you know, when I was looking at whether I was going to run or not, that part of what was left by left behind by Susana Martinez was division in the Republican Party. Okay. And so everywhere I went, it was like, are you Susana or Pierce? I'm like, I'm for the everyday New Mexican. Well, okay. are you using McCluskey or so-and-so? Who's your fundraiser? Is it this person or that person? So we started from scratch because- Do you have time- a fundraiser? Uh, yeah, I do have a fundraising firm, okay. but I had to start with people who were not associated with part of the division in the past and what has has resulted the Republicans in losing races instead of winning because we're right on the issues. We, oh, we share uh, the values. A, and I haven't had a chance to talk to, to, to Mark yet, but Mark was very responsive and 
I gave him kudos. He got the win. You didn't get to participate in, in any of that. We have a lot more demand on our time than Mark has right now. So I'm, okay. I'm busy I, from 7.30 in the morning till 8, 9 at night. Okay. So I, I'm I, sorry. I, with, all, with all fairness. No, you don't owe me apology. I mean, we've, we've got through that part and I don't yeah. want to get through all that. And nobody really, really wants to hear someone say they're sorry to somebody else. I've um, missed a few surveys. Okay. So his pitch, according to you, according to Rebecca Dow, Mark Ronchetti's pitch is that I'm here, I'm a name, I've raised money, and anyone is better. I mean, that's the part I have a problem with, is anyone is better than MLG. I would agree with his logic there. I mean, anyone truly is better, but the way that you got lauded in Joe Monahan's report here, um, and I'm not sure if he just has a bone to pick or he generally feels like the way, I, I'm assuming he, based upon the lengthy write-up here, he genuinely thinks that you can win. And... You think you could win. And I'm going to go a step further here because I'm looking at this. The Democrats actually think you can win as well. So you're getting hit from McCluskey. You're getting hit from the Democrats, Rebecca. Uh, you're getting hit from uh, 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 this ethics complaint, which we're going to get into. And, and I have to say, um, okay, we've got ourselves a race. And that's exactly his conclusion here. So let's... Uh, Get into this race. Anything else on that ad? Where can we find it? And how long will it be running? Love to love to hear it because I'll tell you, it is a killer. It is an absolute killer uh, campaign ad. And by the way, I just want to say sure. what this campaign ad is, for those of you who are on radio, maybe, maybe not on TV, are actual clips of Mark Ronchetti on video in his own words. So people are saying it's an attack ad, but I thought it was important to hear straight from their mouths. And so to see what he has said himself. And this is a monumental moment in the state of New Mexico, what's happening at the national level, and it is urgent and immediate that we elect a true conservative candidate mm -hmm. who is going to fight to save our state rights, save our republic, have a course correction in New Mexico, pr promote conservative values, and, and you can look at my history. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. We have to take Mark's word for it, but his new word for it, not how he acted before he ran for a Republican seat. Yeah, and he is on video here. Um, is there an actual connection between him and George Soros? Because there's that uh, alleged and uh, that that's in here. Do we know? There, there have we are, been able to find what this alleges? Dow's ad uh, accuses of working with George Soros here. And you have a reference for that, correct? With George Soros funded efforts in New okay. Mexico, where, okay, where he is on video and it's a 45 minute video. Anybody can go and watch it, uh, look it up. It's pretty easy to find. No, thanks. But folks <laughs> in the climate change movement, uh, radical environmentalists in our state brag about having him as an ally. And they were funded by George Soros and he participated in their project. Okay. Wow. This is getting uh, a little complicated, but very clear within your 30 seconds. I will have to compliment you. Kudos on your campaign ad. It is uh, pretty strong. Um, and uh, we'll see what they come back with. Uh, tell me where you're getting hit uh, oppositionally. I know I've, oh. I've, I already stated um, Mark Ronchetti's uh, hits on you, but tell me about the Democrats hits on you in this uh, ethics complaint. Uh, and I want to jump right into that because if Joe thinks you can win, and your post-election coming out as the winner, do we actually have a candidate who's going to be able to sail through the ethics complaint? I mean, you, is, there, is there an ethics complaint? Oh, of course there's an ethics complaint. And they've been filed by my opponent. Like, okay. it, this is uh, who, new. Who, who, which, who, who, did, who filed it? Well, so it, the, as I understand, okay. uh, Senator Worth thought that I was going to run for Senate in John Arthur Smith's seat. So okay. Senator Worth paid for opposition research, and that can be tracked in his campaign finance report. Okay. Uh, ten or twelve thousand dollars, I don't remember what it was, worth of opposition research. The entire when I ran for the house, my opponent, three term 
Karen Whitlock. She's an Emerge graduate. Uh, and emerge is a uh, political an grooming. extremely progressive grooming of yep. women who go up and fight for the most radical left causes. Okay. And so she has been my opponent for three terms in my house seat and I grow my margin against her every time. So okay. this particular time she was handed this opposition research, which she filed the entire thing uh, against me. So hundreds and hundreds of pages. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it'll be two years in September that the, People who were hired, the staff at the Ethics Commission have continued to use that complaint to dig and dig and dig and dig. So they're sort of picking it up where they left off and then thinking that they've done their, there's no doubt the Democrats, I know the Democrats. It's they all did the Democrats, their re, yes. Yeah, they did their recon and they're like, oh, Rebecca Dow has a chance against MLG. So they amped it up. Is that? Absolutely. And Absolutely. so then the Democrats then decided to schedule that post primary. Yes, long, long. Tell me after, about the scheduling, the strategic uh, look from the Democrats in terms of how. They well, so that. there's a blackout period in the ethics commission statute that a period before an election you cannot proceed. Okay. So the 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 hearing which I'm looking forward to because right now it's the bureaucrats, the employees that were picked by the legislative council services, which all leans left. They are the ones who are scrutinizing me and making okay. these accusations or okay. substantiating some accusations. Okay. And basically the accusation is that I didn't properly disclose less than $5,000 um, in income, which I'm happy to disclose. I, they asked me to amend it and I did. And I, we have 15 days in the statute. It says, you know, if there's a, uh, if they disagree with the way the secretary of state says I filed properly, then they have to notify the secretary of state who notifies me. Okay. And I voluntarily uh, complied with that amendment, even mm-hmm. though the secretary of state said I was not out of compliance, but the okay. ethics commission believed I would. Okay. So, so they've decided to pursue this. And when I asked to go to a higher, it, the, the, the order of going with the ethics complaint is first the employees. Okay. That's where I'm at. Then you go to a judge. And if a judge disagree, if I disagree with what the judge says, then I finally get to go. Which you did. I'm asking to go to the judge. Okay. Yeah. And so now if, if I disagree with the judge, then I finally get to go to the appointed ethics commission. They have not seen the contents of my case. Okay. So the ethics so, commission has yet to look at that. Can you, if you don't mind, kind of move in a little bit sorry. so we can see you a little yeah. bit better. Okay. There's yeah. uh, Rebecca Dow. You can find her directly at rockoftalk.tv. I appreciate you addressing this because, you know, if, if you get through uh, and you beat Mark Ronchetti uh, in this you know, primary uh, race, which you are now saying it's, and I'm only referencing it this way because there are other people that are in the race. Sure. Um, but you- I'm getting through. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I appreciate your confidence. Let me ask the question. The question is, if you get through, you're saying we have a viable candidate because you are confident that you are going to be sailing through the ethics with that. Was there a fine or something that you could have paid to make this thing go away? Yes. Yeah, so the Ethics Commission offered a little over a year ago to pay a $250 fine, amend my, mm-hmm. uh, my financial report. And we're talking less than $5,000 is what yeah. they're scrutinizing. Okay. And then, you know, this would all go away. So why, said, why didn't you just do that? Because the statute says that when you're notified of something that they think you should amend on your ca- financial campaign report, that you have 15 days to voluntarily amend. Mm-hmm. So I should have been able to voluntarily amend and it should have gone away. That's so what, what every happened? other... They said they just they, they're looking to, to pin me. It's like Trump colluded with Russia. I mean, I am a leading conservative candidate. Uh-huh. I win in a Democrat district. Right. I am uh, capable of, of going and winning in a Democrat seat. And, and they see me as a threat. So, why so they re- your, your makeup, I, I think that's an important point. I think it's one of your strengths is you are in a registered uh, 
representative area that's registered at how many Democrats and how it's, many Republicans? It's 34% Republican. Okay. Wow. And it's yeah, home, that, that's the Howie, state. Howie Morales okay. and Stephanie Garcia Richardson are from my district. I just won my third term by 57% with a libertarian okay. and with Planned Parenthood, George Soros, Michael Bloomberg, conservation voters of New Mexico, multiple unions, Brian Egoff. I mean, all these people threw money at me. Ethics complaints, edits. I mean, audits, pros, you know, I mean, like, you name it. They did everything they how do you could. Sleep? How do you sleep at night? I sleep really, really well. Yeah? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a, it's almost like a badge of honor. I you mean, like this? You I, like the fight? I you like, look forward to, to confrontation? I enjoy the political process. Mm. I don't know how much longer I could have stayed in the House. They redistrict me. Uh, being out number two to one, I'm a, I'm a results-based person. I, I need to know that I'm making a difference, and I yeah. believe every volunteer representative makes a difference, but we are at critical mass in our state and our nation. And I believe that I can win governor mm -hmm. and that I will join my allies in the House and the Senate in, in a course correction for our state. Well, I got to so tell you, I'm as not you're saying up, across the table from me right here, I'm doing the interview in the studio and, you know, I wasn't exactly very happy with you. Um, I got to say, I mean, you're assertive and you're direct in your responses and I'm going to ask you for one other thing. Would you mm -hmm. be willing to go ahead and uh, apparently if there's an ethics complaint, there's got to be a write-up. Would you be willing to give me, I guess you might have a report that's 400 plus pages. It's, I mean, all, how, how does someone come up stuff? with 400 plus pages? Could you, <laughs> would you be willing to provide me, Eddie yeah. Aragon, the, the, the report? Of course. I mean, okay. it's, it's public information. It's published. Okay. It's out there. Why don't I, I mean, go look for it? But if, will you send it to me directly? <laughs> so let me, let me, let me get a running list of tasks that you're assigning yeah, uh, you to do what? to make up well, for not yeah. doing this survey. Oh, then. look at uh, Rebecca. There I need she a is. pen and paper. Oh, she, I love this. All right. We're going to have some fun with Rebecca. She's, we've loosened her up. She's responded very quickly I mean, I, to all this stuff. No, I think I, it's I, a great idea for people to look at the ethics complaint as well as the deposition, the seven hour deposition that I went through where they literally- you did a seven hour a, deposition? It's a nothing burger. It is a nothing burger. They, they, they're they like seven asking hour. me like, you know, why did you, here's this childcare provider in Farmington mm -hmm. who asked you to help them with an unemployment claim and you forward it to the unemployment, uh, you know, the secretary of unemployment asked for help. They're not your constituent. That's a governmental misconduct complaint. She's not your constituent. I mean, this is the kind of stuff they're digging for. And it's like, you know, I'm never going to apologize for advocating for New Mexicans. Well, I'm going to do some depositions of my own. Where does your money come from? What Rebecca, money? what do you, oh, you don't have money? What? I mean, I, are you, are you speaking about my not personal campaign. income? Yeah, personal income. So, this so is my what husband they go and I, after. okay, yeah. my husband and I earn a living and make our living off of our company called Dow Technology. Okay. And that is a- What for, does that do? It's a for-profit multimedia firm, software, hardware, you know, applications, those sorts of things. How do you source the funds for that? How do we source the funds? Yeah, like where we do you get- We have contracts and, okay. and, and provide services. Okay. And, and I do consulting and help with sales and things like that. That enables me to do what I love, which is building my community's capacity. And I have started four nonprofits. Um, they have a collective operating budget of millions. My, my salaried income when I took a salary was 24000 without benefits. That's what I made. How do you live? Uh, we, did, we have a, lot, a little bit of debt. We model, remodeled a home, uh, a 1930s home. Wow. Over, you know, why we lived in it one room at a time. And we just, we don't have a lot of debt. We, we don't have a lot of income, but. I would know, love I, to ask Michelle Lujan Grisham these questions. I think a lot of people like to ask a lot of I, their politicians. I appreciate you uh, letting me ask you these questions. Let me ask you, uh, you know, since, since we're on the subject. It's just they can't believe it. The, the Democrats become millionaires off the back they of New do. Mexico yeah, taxpayers. It is crazy. And they can't believe 
that I would work as hard as I work and do what I do for 24000 a year. They maybe, don't believe Maybe that's it. why they're attacking you and these yeah. things are, okay, and I, I get it. Dollars, I'm starting to understand. Taxpayer dollars have been used to audit any nonprofit I wrote a grant for or helped. Mm-hmm. You know, they get audited. And every time they audit these, it's the taxpayer dime of eighteen dollars to $21,000 per audit. Mm. And so, you know, but they don't find anything or it'd be published. It's everything about me is accusation. So they, they run an audit that's as expensive as your annual income. Wow. Yeah, exactly. That's absolutely ridiculous. Exactly. So they're looking for something. This is interesting. You're, you're really kind of like the lowest uh, paid person on the uh, gubernatorial totem pole, yet you've raised uh, nearly, well, I should say you've raised the most amount of money on your own, uh, given the way that you qualified that, uh, because Jay McCluskey is, is a total rainmaker. And so I, and that, that I understand. Um, it's what, time for the everyday New Mexican to win. I think that's kind that's of what, what who it, you are. Is yeah. that is that what I'm? Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. Well, I got I got one more other thing we got to uh, delve into here. Oh, hey, since we just all did our taxes, uh, you you want to say how much your taxable income is or anything like that? Would you? I, I, you know, my husband did our taxes this year and last year because I've been so busy. But I I think our taxable or less than 200,000 combined. Wow. So I think 20 was around 120,000 and 21 was around, I don't, I think it was a better Unreal. year, like around 180. So you're not a millionaire. You're not doing this for the power of the money for everything. You're doing this for the everyday New Mexican. These all, I'm quoting you. Well, I'm blessed. I mean, uh, that's, th- this that's is really something. More okay. than the average Mexican. Where were you born? I was born in Cushing, Oklahoma. My dad was a, a oil field worker. So I, okay. I grew up on the pipeline and I was born in Cushing, Oklahoma. That's blue collar. Yeah, my whole family's blue collar. I'm looking I mean, for I the silver spoon. I'm looking for the silver spoon. There's no it? silver spoon. I mean, my life has been in early childhood. I'm I'm an everyday New Mexican. Mm-hmm. I'm an early childhood educator from Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. My dad's an oil field worker, became a preacher. You know, I'm I'm the first in my family to get a college degree. Uh, nothing's been handed to me. I can I, see that. Um, I'm I'm I, again. Uh, I thank you for making the effort to come in here. Let's get to these questions and sure. let's do them live and let's have some fun. <laughs> oh boy, Poor Rebecca. Rebecca was just like, boom, boom. I was just hitting her left and right, just slugging it out here. And she said, no, I still got to get on your show. I got to get on your show. I need to be on there. I want to allow me to go ahead and do it. I said, okay, well, we got some questions and some things I got to do. All right, here we go. We're, we're trying to find someone who's leading our state, folks. And we literally have someone who's addressing the pitfall. And then, you know, I, I'm like thinking, well, Joe, why does Joe Monahan and it doesn't look like Joe Monahan wants you. It looks like the Democrats are afraid of you. And uh, currently, cash on hand, how much do you have for your uh, campaign? I don't know, well, three or 400000 I don't that's know. That's good. Wow, yeah. that's a lot. That's more than, well, the other three uh, below you uh, combined. But I, I really need to raise a couple hundred thousand more if anybody wants to give. You can just go to what's that. What's the website? RebeccaForNM.com. I, it's five, ten, twenty hundred. It doesn't matter what you give, but, you know, we've got to stay on the air. We've got to get the message out there. This is too important of a race to risk on someone who has absolutely no track record of creating jobs, dealing with New Mexico's regulatory environment or any sort of governmental experience. We've, we don't have time for a learning curve. It's, we've got to hit the ground running. We've got a state to save, our children. How, how, many, how many years have you served up in Santa Fe? I'm in my third term. Okay. So long enough to know what's going on and to know I don't like it, but okay. I am not establishment. I'm a volunteer uh, led, legislator. I mean, we're volunteers, we're not paid. Yeah, yeah, we do have uh, that volunteer. You have your per diem or whatever, but uh, yeah, you're definitely not getting rich. And, you know, it's almost <clears throat> offensive to me that Mark Ronchetti, you know, he always shows a picture of me with a mask on, uh, even though he's on the air, encourage people well, to wear a mask. that was up in legislature? So, you can't, I cannot serve. You Brian can't go to the legislature without the mask. Correct. I cannot be the voice of my district without a yeah. mask. And so he's using that against me. 
when I have been an advocate of ending the emergency health. Well, I'm going to have a chance to hopefully to interview Mark Ronchetti. You know, he's been uh, exchanging with me a little bit, so I'm excited. Yeah. You know, I really want to feel, and you'll support the nominee, but you believe that the nominee is you. Okay. I do agree with Mark. Anybody's better than MLG, but I'm a better choice than Mark. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. All right. These questions... My dear, are straightforward. Let's go. I'm going to fire away, Come and on. you just uh, you oh. just you answer them live, and let's uh, let's let's see where this goes. Okay. The twenty uh, parties 2018 nominee for oh, so uh, your relationship with Steve Pierce? Do you get along with the? Oh, he's party? my congressman for 17 years. 17 years. Uh, yeah. I respect him as a veteran, and and I think he was a stellar congressman. Thank you for saying so. I appreciate you standing up for Steve Pierce in the in the sense that. I've had odds. I went against him for state party chair, lost to him by one vote or whatever people want to go ahead and say it was one vote. And I came back and he has been nothing but gracious to me. He's been good. And boy, 17 this years guy, in Congress is an important thing. There's a me. self-made millionaire. He's yeah, from nothing. From nothing. And he's subjected himself to volunteering to lead the state. Yeah. Now, I, I mean, everybody has different things that they would do or things they would do differently. But the fact that I'm supposed to criticize a veteran yeah. and a congressman exactly. who served us well is something I'm not going to do. Yeah, I didn't do that. I was just running against him. Let's let's okay. move you into yeah. the, oh. the, the the purview here. Is that, is that a, I don't even know if that's a, okay. really. The party's 2018 nominee for governor lost to his Democratic opponent, Steve Pierce, lost to the woman that you want to face, Michelle Lujan Grisham, she's lethal, boy, uh, by more than 14 points. That's a lot. Why did his messaging and policy positions fail to connect with voters in your estimation at that time? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Ohio has a problem. Like 160,000 oh, yeah. Republicans and around 40,000 are voting. Why are they not compelled to get out and vote? How, why are people not resonating with them? And it's not just 18, it was 20, it was it was Mark Ronchetti. It was Mark Moores. And so, you know, I'm going to apply the same sort of, of uh, messaging that I do in my district where we get the swing vote and we get the moderate Democrats to come out. The everyday New Mexican agrees with my worldview. We share the same desires for this state. And I, I guess I present it in a way that resonates. So I, I don't really know what Steve did wrong, but I know what I do right that, that lets okay. me win. And so just connecting with people and talking about the things we have in common rather than our differences. It's time for us to have healing. It's time for us to unite. It's time for New Mexico to be at the top instead of the bottom. And, and it's, it's completely possible. We have every resource we need to get it done. And they need to feel uh, inspired and compelled. I looked at the what we would call the unlikely voter, the people who are now being directly registered or asked to register when they go to the motor vehicle division or income support or WIC. And, and those are a lot of women who have dreams and, and hopes and dreams for their children's future. And my life's work has been helping them reach those hopes and dreams. And so fo- folks vote for me regardless of their registration because they've seen uh, my commitment to helping people move out of poverty and into self-sufficiency, helping children reach their full potential, go on to college or have a career where they make a living, a good How's your turnout in your uh, county or your district? Oh gosh, I don't know the answer to that. I'm just asking because uh, you talk about motivating and, and Ethel was in here saying, well, she rallies people. She rallies people. And it's like, well, you're not elected to anything, and that kind of worries me and concerns me. But this is a proven product. You know, I, and you're some, in a you're in a people, district yeah. that literally um, is 34 percent Republican, and yet you're winning right. consistently, and you're getting attacked by the Democrats. Yeah. Let, let me move on to the next question, okay. if you don't mind. Uh, number two, broadly speaking, has the federal government's dominant presence in the land of enchantment been a driver of economic growth or a millstone that keeps the state dependent on D.C.? Yeah, it's, it's extremely difficult being a Western state. The percentage of our land that's owned by the federal government, therefore controlled by them, 
is extremely frustrating. I, I don't know if you're talking about dependency on welfare yes. and assistance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. We got, we got how much money did we get from the... Oh, like 20... I think we're at 25 yeah. billion or more in COVID yeah. aid. Yeah. And so we could have used that for large scale land and vegetation management to be courageous in comprehensive tax reform, to do, you know, capital infrastructure on our roads and our, our ditches, our acequias, our, our dams. And I mean, look what we could have done with 27 billion to set up a good foundation for economic growth. And instead, we just keep handing money out to people. You don't don't pay your rent. Don't pay your utilities. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're the last employed. to kind of come out of it. It's it's created this huge weight around the neck of New Mexico because we're teaching cultural habits that hey, the government's uh, always here to bail us out. No, we're waiting for the check. I mean, that's what we're waiting for. And these people wouldn't do that if it wasn't continually. I was at the the bus. Uh, uh, it used to be called SunTran, but the bus place this morning. I asked him, I said, is ridership up or down? Well, he says, oh, it's about the same. I'm like, uh, oh, okay, well, about the same is 5% every year. I said, well, how do you guys run if all the buses are for free? He said, well, the money comes directly to us from the federal government. All we have to do is just uh, basically, you know, count the numbers of people that come in. Yeah. They don't care. There's yeah. no performance. There isn't some some sort of goal or anything. The money just comes from the federal government. So culturally, I think to your point, it has really impacted us and, and that isn't a, a good thing. So, But I think what's different about me as a candidate is that I'm from rural New Mexico. Mm -hmm. I'm from the producer area of our state, farming, ranching, mining. And so the federal government is also trying to shut those things down. And so it's it's driving up the cost of goods sold. They're trying to take over water rights. They're take, trying to take over private land rights uh, and reduce our use on federal and state land. And we've got to fight back against that too, that further increases our dependency on the federal government rather than setting our economic potential free. All right. Uh, we'll continue here with, here with Rebecca Dow. And let me uh, have some more questions for you. Numero tres oh, here. Yeah. A 2014 analysis by the American Enterprise Institute found that the compensation packages of state bureaucrats significantly surpass what private sector employers offer and similarly skilled employees, like people who work for the yeah. state, right? Yeah. Will you appoint a commission to study and pay the benefits disparity and outline reforms, including, if necessary, the repeal of unionism, right to work, in the public sector to bring compensation fairness to New Mexico? Yeah, yes. The simple answer, yes. How would you do it? I mean, the question was, would I form a commission? Sure, let's form a commission. Okay. And let's look at the examples from other states that, that have accomplished this and have set set free their economic potential. I mean, do, do we know the power that's in the governor's office? Could you circumvent even, uh, you know, go in day one and say, hey, we're going to do this, this, and this until we get ourselves to a point so there's more private wealth creation, private jobs. Is there anything that in the governor's office or you have to yes. go through well, the legislature? You do. Ha I can point a, I can appoint a commission and I'm happy to do that. And to find but, but, out. but beyond that, is there yes. anything you could just walk Absolutely. in Rebecca Dow governor on day one, look at the executive orders okay. such as 50 by 30, which is what is that? I don't even know. 50 by 30. It will, it, the idea is 30 by 30, 30% 30 of the land being owned by the federal government by the year 3030. We're a Western state. We're past that. So Michelle Lujan Grisham passed an order that says, 50 by 30, 50% of our land to be owned by state and federal government by the year 2030. That's why we saw in the budget millions of dollars in the budget trying to be used to purchase private property and put it into state ownership. We need to be doing the opposite. 
And so uh, the, the more property that's owned by the state and the federal government is the less that we have to develop industry, economy. There's no property taxes. You know, it's, it's, it's a problem. So okay. when you wow. ask the federal question, that's where my brain went. Yeah, I can good. also address the I'm regulatory learning. environment. So we can, uh, rules and regulations are not, some of them are tied to statutes, but a lot of them are not. So immediately, I mean, I'm already asking now, where are the rules and regs within each industry that are causing you to spend more money on paperwork and less less dollars on quality of care, you know, and service, quality of your service? What's taking away from your ability to grow your business and to hire more people and pay them more? Where's the regulations that are in the way? And if it's not a life safety, you know, life safety issue or an urgent health issue, like, can we get rid of it? And so, yes, we can reduce regulation. It takes a little bit. You got to go to public comment. But just re reducing regulation is a way to set New Mexico's economy free. Wow. Okay. All right. Wow. Rarely am I impressed with an answer. And um, you don't get graded, unfortunately, because we didn't put on all those. But that was a very impressive answer. And I learned something. And uh, I'm talking about 5030. So I got to go read that and look it up. <laughs> Number four, do you favor the phasing out of New Mexico's income tax? I mean, in an ideal world, if I could wave a wand, yes. And I would be committed uh, during my time in office to getting us there through comprehensive tax reforms. Okay. And that's where, I mean, we look at Texas and we look at these other states that are doing it and it's working for them. So we need comprehensive tax reforms so we can compete with our neighbors. You know, is that the only piece, income tax? Well, no. I mean, well, only six states tax veterans retirement income. You know, the pyramid taxing on manufacturing is is preventing us from manufacturing in New Mexico. People yep. come here to do research and development, yep. Yep. and they leave the state when yep. it's time to start the manufacturing in high. That, that's that's critical. Yeah. You know, we had TVC that basically went belly up for exactly that reason yeah. because these companies are like, well, I'm not going to, you know, no matter what, and it didn't matter where their politics. They just want to be able to protect their company. Of course. So, um, what's the income tax take for the state of New Mexico every year? You know the answer. I, I don't know the answer. What is it? About $1.8 billion. Okay. $1.8 billion of that. And uh, you, what's the education budget? Oh, over $4 billion. Yeah, it's insane, yeah. right? So, right. and we got but 20... We don't, but we don't have a lot of property tax because so much of our land is state and federal owned. So we've got this little tricky balance where, you know, we got these great models in Texas where they don't have an income tax, but they have a high property tax, but they have a lot of private land. So it is going to have to happen through a comprehensive tax reform, which I'm ready to tackle. How quickly could you get something like that oriented with a Democratic legislature and uh, how, where's the selling point? Where's the sort of meat in the middle? Uh, because they're going to look for more money. They, they're already looking for more money for the fires. They're already looking for, like, oh, we need more money, more money, more money. Unbelievable. $27 billion in COVID aid. Right. Billion over billion dollar surplus. And we've increased the size of government by 14% and they still want more. So under MLG. I mean, if we continue at this trend, we'd be doubling our budget in five years. Yeah. This is insane. Yeah, New Mexico with a $10 billion budget, that would be uh, totally insane. This is making a lot well, of sense. Well, it was around $6 billion my freshman year. Yeah, and now it's, uh, what, $8.4? $8 $8.4 yeah, there it is. Uh, okay, good stuff. All right, here we go. <clears throat> I got to ask, ask you this one because this is uh, something I want to know about. Okay, I'm In scared. 2019, <laughs> you're not scared. I don't know. You don't care. I'm not scared. I don't scared. think you're scared of anything. I'm In 2019, not. you kept calling me and texting me. I'm like, Oh no, she she doesn't know. She she don't want this. And then Come on, I'm like, bring okay. it. Bring it. Twenty nineteen, eight Republican state senators voted for the Energy Transition Act (ETA). Government mandates for green power have been shown to drive the price of electricity higher. One recent study by the University of Chicago's Michael Greenstone and Ishan Nas found a twelve-year rate hike of twelve seventeen percent. Excuse me. Where were your fellow Republicans wrong to vote for the ETA, Rebecca? And why were you absent for the vote? They were wrong to vote for it. If I had voted 
I would have voted no. And I've, I've never voted against oil and gas. I've never voted for a green initiative. I have a conservative record on that. My record speaks for itself. Sometimes you miss votes. And so I wasn't right, that's there. Not, why, but, why were you absent? Literally, Dowd's asking, <laughs> why were you absent for the vote? What were you doing? I was not present. I wasn't on the floor. And I, I mean, I, I don't you recall where you were at the time. Okay. I maybe, get it. I maybe, get it. maybe I was in the bathroom. I mean, like you, you'd never know when the vote's going to happen. You have like two minutes to vote. Whenever How long they do votes take anyway? That's a little bit inside uh, uh, well, baseball. Unnecessary. No, yeah. it's just a okay. joke. All right. All right. But, Number- but let me tell you, I have been fighting for the oil and gas industry. I am co-sponsor on the bill and fighting for what, what uh, reopening Escalante. Re- right. uh, well, these are these are amendments and bills we tried to introduce in the special because, you know, Albuquerque is going to be faced with brown outages if they did not. The Democrats compromise. How, cl- how close are we to that? Well, the, well, they extended the San Juan power plant, the coal power plant that they're trying to close down. They extended the closure four months to get you through summer so that you wouldn't have a black outage before the election. But it is, there's nothing replacing the power and the oil, the oil, gas, the power, coal that they're shutting down. There's nothing to replace it. So we are going to have rolling brown outages if we do not get a new governor and, and get rid of these crazy rules. So we've tried to reopen Escalante. There's been millions and millions, tens of millions of dollars of taxpayer funds to retrofit the, the Escalante power plant. It's one of the cleanest power plants in the United States, post-Obama EPA compliant, and it's closed. San Juan is being closed down. It doesn't take much to retrofit it to be emission-free, and it can provide emission-free coal-powered energy to our state and has hundreds of jobs. We're closing it down. And we need to add, uh, so, we, so we reintroduced a bill to open Escalante, keep San Juan open, and to add natural gas to our clean fuel portfolio. And the Democrats close, they shut it down. Unbelievable. I'm in the fight for affordable reliable energy, and that comes from oil and gas in the state. I think we should have 20% nuclear. If you want to talk about real clean energy, nuclear, and we have the ability to do that right here in New Mexico, but the progressives won't have it. How long will that take? I don't know. I mean, some of these things take a house and a Senate, so I'm really excited about some of the competitive seats in Bernalillo County this this cycle. It looks like there's five or six 50-50 seats where if, if Republicans will get out and vote and and the independents decline to states and others and and common sense Democrats will join, then Bernalillo could have five, six Republican representatives and change everything in Santa Fe. All right. Let's uh, let's continue here with Rebecca Dow. Rebecca, your website is Rebecca for NM.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, I'm raising money. We need volunteers. We want to have meet and greets. You can get signs. We've got swag. I'm getting more texts than I know what to do with. This is insane. Uh, people are really responding. Uh, to to you, so uh, that's good, and uh, appreciate you making the effort and letting me beat you up uh, <laughs> on this stuff. All right, okay. here's what I want to know: since oh, you've been boy. involved in government, name three state programs, agencies, departments, commissions you would eliminate as governor. I mean, there are there, there's so many. I, it's so many. Me, it's hard to choose. Well, give we me more. So much, we have so much crazy stuff. Okay, I want, I want, I, I'm, I'm almost five. I'm almost facetiously saying this, but the okay. motor vehicle division proved. During COVID, I mean, I, I, do any of us wonder why they exist? I mean, everything that they said they would not do, and they're behind glass, and they've got dividers, and they were closed down, and none of us could go to the motor vehicle division. And you know that that is it was a negative impact on business in New Mexico, and and but yet they could go to a car dealership okay. and get 
all the things accomplished at a car dealership. And the car dealerships were happy to do it. So clearly private industry could do that instead of government. And I'm all for growing jobs in New Mexico. But I mean, like we've got like, we have an office of gun violence. I'd get rid of that. An I mean, office that, what does that do? I mean, they're, they're, they're like promoting, they're promoting uh, gun control and and doing buybacks. Yeah, get rid of that for me. Can you get rid yeah, of that I for mean, me? Like, yeah, that's Let's ridiculous. That. I mean, like, why do we have an office of climate change? Yeah. An office a what? of what? Office of climate change. We have the environment. What do they do? It feels like the office of climate change is the fourth floor of the, uh, uh, of the legislature governor's mansion. Yeah. I mean, like where aren't we talking about climate change, environment department, you know, everybody. Okay. What else? Office of that. I mean, like there's, there's crazy offices. There's a venture capital program. (laughs) There's, it's, it's, it's we're going to get to VC. I got to ask you about spaceport. It's a state bank for that. Mm. Like, why do we need a state bank for that? We have community banks. We have a private banking industry. I mean, if these progressives had their way, there'd be no private banks. There'd be no private prisons, no private nursing homes, no private child these are care. Full, they're full they're on, obviously against private education. Would you be willing to education. call these people communists? I mean, it, it, it's it's nothing more than socialism and Marxism. Okay. And, you know, I hosted wow. an exchange student. I'm a Rotarian. I hosted an exchange student from Venezuela. He was so excited about yeah. Chavez and everything that was going to happen. It was going to be the best thing. You for mean getting country. rid of him? No, and they want No, this was before. He wanted it. They were for it. They wanted and, Hugo Chavez? Yes. And his whole entire family lives in Spain now. Oh, yeah. They, they left. Yeah. I, I just met a cabbie in Miami when I was coming back. He's Venezolano. They're very cool. They're very, they eat a lot of meat and he plays softball and baseball and all these things. And oh my gosh, it, the guy absolutely hates Venezuela. Isn't that The way that Cubans in the 50s and 60s hate, right? That when they came over to Miami, they, 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 they absolutely hate that. So yeah. that's good. Okay. I mean, there's a state personnel board. They have like a three. What point, is that? It's, it just really puts a barrier in, in hiring and filling vacancies that we do need to fill. It, it holds up the procurement process, but it's this whole process. I mean, it's like, it's like a state personnel board. I don't know, but their budget's 3.8 million. Yeah. Maybe and you get to see all this stuff when you're a legislature. Like you literally have every one of these things. So, you know, these, this well, is kind of cool. Cause I get to get educated. I don't even know that some of these, like an office of gun control, I had no idea. Yeah. But I mean, you really don't get to see. All, so I was so excited to be on the legislative study, the, the legislative uh, finance committee interim. Okay. Uh, because I thought we were really going to dig down and get deep in in what the budget looks like. It's a huge budget, $8.4 billion. And we would literally review 40 plus state agency budgets in one day. And you can't do that. So what all we got- Yeah, so do you have no idea. It's just approve, no, approve. It's Did a you- one page piece of paper that says full-time employees, contracts, and other. So, so yeah, so, wow. And you probably know more than the rest of the legislatures because- these guys are voting as a team of Democrats yeah. and they're like, oh yeah, I'm going yeah. to lunch. Just yes, yeah. put me down for yes. But then when you get to the House floor and it's time to vote on the budget, that's the first time that most of us, it may be, maybe with the exception of a handful of leadership or people who serve on the finance committee, it's the first time that the 70 members of the legislative body see the budget. And it's, it's inches thick. And the longest debate is three hours. So to dig in there and scrutinize it and then try to, you get an up or a down vote. So it's really easy for people to scrutinize my thousands of votes when you get an up and down vote, yes or no, on this budget. You vote yes, oh my gosh, you find out in retrospect $2 million went to illegal immigrants in a, you know, this billion-dollar budget. If you vote no, you voted against teachers, you know, law enforcement officers, you voted against senior citizens, you voted against roads. You know, so it's really easy to attack my record, uh, but I'm a true conservative. Learning a lot here. Number seven, this is a big one for you. Oh, boy. Many Republicans in the legislature from Ed Boydkin to you, Rebecca Dow, have been enthusiastic supporters of Spaceport America. In a state with some of the worst socioeconomic outcomes in the nation, was it wise to hand a billionaire $200 million in taxpayer revenue 
to support his highly speculative, quote unquote, business. I am not a fan of Virgin. I am not supporting or defending Virgin. I believe in the New Mexico space industry and industry. We talk about diversifying our economy. So I'm a fan of the new aerospace industry. It's one of the fastest growing industries in the world. I'm not defending Virgin. And that happened under Richardson, not me. Why is it not growing here? It is growing here. We have is over, it? Yeah, we have over 300 and some companies. What, 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 issue, what, what are they, you got spin launch. Are they, are they literally, you have aero, you have. Uh, aerospace industry. We've yeah. got aero, air environments. You're talking about air environments. environments. Yeah, yeah, there's air environments. There's, there's um, spin launch. There's, uh, I've seen NASA out there. Um, Marv Rover's been out there. People, but we're just, so, well, there's a lot of money. And, and has there been a return on the investment for the uh, taxpayers if of the you, state? If you apply equitably our other investments, like, like, what does that I mean? Think, I, so what other investments are we making and what's the rate I don't, of I don't, I don't okay, know. I'm just saying in, gener in a generic world, I think we're subsidizing the spaceport by $6 million a year for operating. And it's mostly like facility operations. But the outlay, the initial outlay, you I, weren't in the legislature. I, I wasn't in the legislature for I, that. I know, but, but, but in terms of that, uh, just to, as, as far hmm. as the question, you wouldn't have supported that on the original outlay for that, knowing what you know now, I imagine. No, of course not. Okay. Of course not. But, but there, it is important for people to know that Spaceport is an important tool in research and development. It's used every day. There are 150 to 300 full-time employees out there every day. Most of the jobs out there related to space are around 60000 a year. Most of them are private, but the state is subsidizing it. Will, yeah. you, will you make it? I'm, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment. Will mm -hmm. you make a commitment right here today if there are businesses to make sure in 2023 that it's at least $10 million profitable so that we can pay off this initial outlay for this $10 million profitable a year, okay, rather than subsidizing these guys for R&D because I don't really feel, and eventually we got to pay these guys back. We've been at this 14, 15 years, so we can pay for the original and not even getting interest on any of this stuff for 20 years. Will you make that commitment here on, on the air to today? To take a bureaucratic uh, into entity mm -hmm. that's governed by a board and a commission and turn it around in the first you year. You could do that as governor. I can, you can I, blow I, I'm through not, that. I cannot make a promise that I can't keep, but I, if I want that place run like an enterprise, not okay. a bureaucracy. Okay. And if it's run like an enterprise, it would be profitable. Okay. Please, Just please like state do that. Parks, if state parks were run like an enterprise, okay. they'd be in good shape. Cause, and cause be I don't, why, why shouldn't we just sell it? Yeah. I mean, I, let's sell it, but let's sell it at market rate. I mean, I've heard people say. Is there say, a market for that? Oh, are you? I don't know. For research and development in space I industry? I have no yes, idea. sir. Yes, okay. sir. There is. All right. I don't know. You're educating me. I mean, this is, <laughs> I'm learning from you. You you get to educate me. Should we sell it? Should we? Yeah. You know, I, I know we're trying to figure stuff to do. I'm just looking for solutions. Yeah. You well, know, you, I don't want to hear. It. I I cannot. I I love Dowd's articles, but honestly, I literally can't even put the the term spaceport America together anymore because I don't know what the heck's launching out of there. Well, I would be happy to get you a private tour if you're interested. Oh. Okay. But there are non-disclosure agreements, so I can't talk about it. Yeah, I probably, oh, I didn't know. Wow. Now I learned, now I'm learning. That's there, there the, seems, those seems, NDA, those uh, ironclad, uh, but, bulletproof. But do you want our Department of Defense activities that are happening in New I Mexico want the Department of Defense uh, paying for that. I want somebody paying for it. So they pay rent. They're paying to use this. The, the how much money, how much money comes into the space? I, I think that the. You know, I don't know what happened during COVID mm -hmm. because a lot of things were shut down during COVID, which okay. I would never have shut down the state. Okay, yeah. Okay? So I if I that. were governor, yeah. I would not have shut down the state and we would not have disruption in our economy. And mm -hmm. we would not have the highest unemployment rate for the three months, three months in the Ridiculous. road. But because of, of uh, COVID, there may be a change in the budget. But pre-COVID, 67% of the funds were coming from people who were renting the space and using the space for research and development. 
All right. Let's make it 134%. That way we can make some money on this bad boy. And I believe it's possible. Yeah. And keep Richard Branson out of there. We just kick him out. He's getting sued, you know. Yeah. I mean, the guy's a, he's a huckster. I mean, the it's guy's pretty a, incredible. He's hanging out there with MLG, and that, that's the that's the ad you got to run. Maybe he'll attend the wedding. You got to run those ads. Maybe if, he's attending the wedding. Maybe he's the ring bearer. Well, you can't attend the wedding. Kamala Harris, she's uh, <coughs> she got COVID. Oh, yeah, she got COVID. I didn't know she has COVID. She had COVID. Yeah. Well, you've been out on the road talking. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, but yes. I, I was, you know, maybe the maybe they can are have you wishing the wedding her a speedy at the recovery? Speedy recovery. I I want everyone <laughs> to recover from COVID. And so, um, yeah, maybe they can have the wedding at the border and she can sp- spare the time. Oh, man. Wow. Woo. Getting hot in here. This is good. Is it proper? Number eight, the Ocho. Is it proper for local, state, and quasi-government entities to use taxpayer dollars to influence the legislature either directly or via hired lobbyists? This is directly at you. Uh, this one is, you're the only person who could actually answer this <laughs> so of all the candidates because so, so you're in the yeah. legislature. So we're volunteer legislators. Mm-hmm. We do not have staff. We're there 30 days one year and 60 days the other. Okay. So in 60 day, any bill can be introduced. Right. And I think the average is pre-COVID is around 1,600 in the House, around the same in the Senate. So thousands of bills being introduced to be reviewed and voted on in a 30 or 60 day period. We don't have paid staff. So, there's, so people send lobbyists up there and the lobbyists are explaining to us the bills. If there were not lobbyists there explaining to us the bills, so we get we get a we get a what's called a fiscal analysis that includes the pros and the cons from both the Democrat and the Senate side. I mean, and the and the Republican side. So we get an analysis, and then lobbyists are up there explaining things to us or advocates. Some people are paid, some people are not paid. When someone comes to me and says, "Vote for this bill," I ask, "Who's against it?" And then I go find the person who's against it. So they've told me why they want me to vote for it, and I go find the person who's against it. But those are the folks who kind of inform us. And, and there's pros and cons to having a citizen's, you know, servant. So maybe maybe your answer would, uh, or maybe the change you would recommend that legislatures actually get paid instead of the per diem. I, w- I wouldn't pay them for the, for the outcome they're doing right now. No. I mean, why, why would you pay yeah. us to do a bad to, job? To, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, all right. So, I, I mean, like there, this. Good answer. You <laughs> explained to me. Jay Block, why didn't you tell me, uh, explain it to me this way. I would have probably given him more points. And graded. Well, you, I can't. I'm so point. curious in their answers. Now I'm going to have to go look up the website. No, you can listen to the sound. The, but you would have been included. But I, I know. Uh, you but, said, and and I know. But you, you're good. <laughs> okay. I mean, you're you're killing I'm it. Here. You're, you're killing it. I'm here. I'm answering real time. You really are. You really are doing a pretty a pretty decent. Joe Monahan ain't wrong about it. And so it. you know, it, it really. I was on my iPhone uh-huh. away from. I had no laptop. No access. To no, no. We don't want. I don't okay, want. To, fine, I, I don't fine. want to go through the details. Okay. All right. Number nine. Should critical race theory. Be banned in New Mexico government education. This is an yes. easy one for you. I mean, you. It's, it's a yes. Absolutely, and, yes. And then, uh, you introduced a bill, so we know this, but maybe our listeners aren't familiar with it. Yeah, well, so I I am such a fan of Martin Luther King Jr. and his idea and the civil rights movement and what he accomplished as a leader and as a champion. And I, it, I share his worldview, so I know where his heart was. He's we a Republican. All, Republican. He's a, he's pastor. a Christian, a pastor and we're all created. We're all created by the same father. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it, it, when he talks about, I feel like I can speak from where he talks about because we share the worldview. Mm-hmm. We study the same book that guides our lives. And so when he talks about his children being judged by the character and not the color of their skin and wanting integration and mm-hmm. wanting everyone to get an equal shot and, and colorblindness, yeah. that, that has led to us electing the first black president twice, you know, the United yeah. States, 
That wasn't good enough. The, the, the vice president of the United States, yeah. her parents were first generation Americans. We elected the first Hispanic female governor. And so, you know, I'm super concerned about critical race theory, which divides us based on a sex we don't choose and a race we don't choose. We're not. And to say that we are oppressed or oppressors because of that goes contrary to the American dream. I'm fighting for the American dream. We are the greatest nation in the world. That's why people want to come here. They don't want to leave. And it's because our principles in the American dream is that anybody can achieve anything if they're willing to, from whatever circumstances, if they're willing to work hard enough. So hard work has to pay off. And the idea of critical race theory is that you are lesser or you are an oppressor because of a race. And, and it doesn't play out that way. That's not the reality of America. I moved. You seem like you're a little bit emotional too. And it breaks uh, that's my heart. Good. It, it breaks really my heart. I'm an educator. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, well, uh, it triggers me. It triggers me yeah. when children who have been locked down, they are self-reporting. Homicide has doubled. Child suicide has doubled. The uh, child abuse and neglect has doubled. Yep. They are self, they're, they're, they're doing more self-harm than ever before, more medicated, yep. socially isolated. They're on computers much, much too much. They feel, they feel uncertain Separated. and concerned about yep. their future. And now we're going to bring in this yep. critical race theory that, that just shakes it up even more when we really need to be teaching them how to read, how to do Bravo. math, how to reach their full potential and become productive members of society. It does really trigger me as a mom and as an educator and as a community advocate that wants to see those Democrats don't, uh, don't, don't want you. I, I got to say, I didn't want to like you after after this because I was like, okay, good. I don't have to re interview Rebecca anymore. And uh, she didn't answer my question. I'm not going I, away. Yeah, she's, uh, she's, 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 uh, she's beating down my door and uh, she's making me like her again. All right. The Legislative Finance Committee, numero diez. And a lot of these are like right up the legislature. And a 2017 report found that New Mexicans have approximately 77 physical points of access to higher education throughout the state. <laughs> why did you laugh well that's a lot that's a lot <laughs> it's a lot but we're rural, is the so. state's government university complex out of control and given the system's dismal graduation rate shouldn't fewer new mexicans be going to college well i mean i want my dream for new mexico is that our children are they're safe in their neighborhoods mm -hmm. they're healthy they go to school they progress uh, in their academic outcomes each year and they graduate with a post-high school goal in mind. It should not automatically be college, but we're obviously pushing that. I think yeah. career technology pathways. One of the very first bills I introduced my freshman year was an amendment to the lottery scholarship saying, look, I believe New Mexicans are willing to invest in education, but they want to see an outcome. They want to see an yeah. educational outcome. They do. And they want to see a qualified workforce. Can the so, money follow the child? Are you willing to, to engage in that conversation? I am. I'm fighting. How for quickly choice. can we get to that point where the money follows the child? That's, Please send that's me what it. I think. Really? going to take a Republican House and Senate? Well, because, well, I don't know. I, would, I wouldn't think necessarily. But up in Santa Fe, you know, you have all these people who have a lot of money and they're like, I ain't sending them to public school. They're like 54% yeah. graduation well, rate. They've got all loads of money. They'll pay into the system and then they'll pay, you know, twenty twenty five thousand dollars $25,000 a year for their seven-year-old to go to Montessori. Yeah. Have you seen the study? I mean, there's actual studies out there put out by Excellence in Ed that talks about the percentage of elected officials who send their kids to private school, but their campaigns are funded by education unions. Ah, so they don't. Wow. Well, if you want to talk about institutional racism. You got to help the people look, down, down yeah, ballot on yeah. this. So they choose private school for their own children and grandchildren while keeping children low income, disproportionately children, minority children in failing school districts based on the zip code that they can live in. Mm hmm. And so, I mean, it's, it's, it's hypocrisy at its highest level. If you want to talk about institutional racism, yeah. talk about taking away educational opportunities for low-income at-risk kids yeah. in New Mexico who are proportionately minority.
Good job. I'm for school choice. And I, I introduce bills for school choice knowing they're going to die and knowing that the unions are going to come harder at me in my next election. But I'm running for the everyday New Mexican and to set families in charge of their children and to go back to local decision-making authority and to let our qualified educators in partnership with their school boards and parents make decisions locally. Will you agree to a debate? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I, I, that was like the dumbest question. I, there are no dumb questions, but I just felt like after, you know, in doing this interview with you, like that's kind of a dumb question because you're obviously capable without any notes or anything at all uh, to basically answer and address these questions. I encourage you to go listen to your competitors' responses and how I graded them on that. Uh, you didn't get graded, but I could tell you that uh, you performed quite well today. And uh, that's about the best I can say uh, oh, in all well, good fairness. You. And thanks for breaking down the, the, the door and thanks for uh, fighting. Yeah. So why haven't you left New Mexico? I love New Mexico. It's my home. Your husband? It's where I raise my children. My your husband, husband, he loves? We love New Mexico. I mean, we're, he's from California. His dad was in the Navy and okay. he became a contractor in Colorado. What's, it, what's his name? Aaron. Aaron. David Aaron Dow. David Aaron. Married, I like David Allen Co. We're married 30 years this year. Oh, he is, he is stellar. Congratulations. And you have a grandbaby too now. Yes. And my son and his wife are expecting. So I'm about to have my second oh my gosh. grandchild. And, and New Mexico's we're fighting for. Yeah. We, we should be at the top. Mm -hmm. We should be the wealthiest state in the nation, not the poorest. It, it is literally bad government in the way. Someone yeah. asked me this morning. People keep saying we got to vote differently. It was a Democrat. He said, but is it really the Democrats' fault that we don't look like Arizona? Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it's the Democrats' fault. The progressives who are, who are pushing us towards poverty and government dependency. It's time to change. Excellent stuff, uh, Rebecca. Thanks for uh, popping in uh, here and uh, give you uh, just about an entire hour. Is Thank there anything you. else that you'd like to talk about or address? Uh, I just want to remind folks we're having backyard parties and meet and greet. Oh, wow. Swing by your office. Anybody who wants to meet, I'm happy to talk. Um, there's, I want to listen. I want to learn. Uh, this is, uh, I, the governor is the most powerful person in the state. It's time for that person to give the power back to the people. That's what I intend to do. We're looking for people for boards and commissions. We're looking for innovators and problem solvers. We want to set New Mexico's potential free. It's 39 days until the election. Give me a call, 575-571-1056. There it is, Rebecca Dow. Thank you so much for being here in the Kiva, am680kivabq.fm, rockoftalk.com. I noticed there was a, a little bit of uh, echo there at the very end, but uh, you've been great, uh, very congenial, um, very nice, great answers. I learned something, and uh, I wish you well, and I look forward to your performance in the debate. All right, folks, stay tuned. Ben Shapiro is next after the top of the hour news.